And now, introducing the savage of corned beef and cabbage, the Conway Twitty of Lucky Charm City, the thought of Jameson shots. He's magically delicious. He is Glenn Clark. You went right to thought. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> That's a rhyme with shots. I feel, I feel like there should have been a few steps along the way. <laughs> Good I gave you Conway Twitty. Yeah, I, mean, I guess that's fair. Good morning. It is uh, Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn. He is Paul. Happy uh, St. Patrick's Day. I did for a second think about putting green on this morning. I'm like, I'm not going out anywhere. Is that, is that yellowish greenish on your Batman? Oh, there is that. That's yeah. not. That wasn't a thought at all. No, switch I, that I, mic cover right there. I'm good. Uh, um, I used to. This is not a joke. I used to keep. What was the Ryan Reynolds uh, Anna Ferris movie? Just Friends, is that what it was called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved that particular film. I saw that on Thanksgiving Day. That's a... Okay, in, in the theaters? Th- yes. I My guess. sisters wanted to go Because there was it. sort of a Christmassy thing to it, mm-hmm. because like they got stuck at Christmas time. Yeah. Um, I think it was a tremendous motion picture, by the way. I'll stand by that. By the way, I watched The Adam Project the other day. For sure. It was, it was fine. It was, it was fine. It was, it was, you know, it was pleasant. I enjoyed it. Um... But yeah, like everybody else, I love Ryan Reynolds, and I loved uh, Just Friends. Uh, when we, what year would this have been? I was oh five, oh five, right? So I, I want to say St. Patrick's oh six. I had to do an appearance for one oh five seven on the Thursday morning. You know, like we were doing. I want to say we were doing the Ed Norris show. From Coladas, maybe was where we were doing it, or one of those, you know, establishments. No way. Yeah, right. Wherever it was, it was one of those joints. Mm. And I just showed up wearing, I don't know, probably a polo and khakis or whatever. And I remember my promotions director looking at me and being like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> I was like, well, "I'm here to do the show." She's like, "No, you're. It's St. Patrick's Day. What the f? You're supposed to be wearing green." Now, I, I don't know why she cared so bad, like, looking back on it, but at the time, I was convinced that I was going to get fired for not wearing <laughs> green. Like, legitimately convinced. Her panic level said to me, you are no longer going to be employed by Infinity Radio because you didn't wear green to a St. Patrick's Day appearance. How stupid are you? Did you go get some face paints or something? She called, frantically <laughs> calls back to the station and is like, who's coming down here? Go scour the closet to see if anybody, if we got any uh, giveaways that were green. And they were like, okay. And they come back with a t-shirt. And it's a Just Friends. We were doing a giveaway related to Just Friends being available on DVD at that point. And it's a Just Friends Friend Zone green (laughs) t-shirt. So she slaps it on me. (laughs) She says... You know, how dare you? You know, but I've, I've, don't worry. I've solved your, I've saved your ass. And again, at the time, I think she saved my employment because that's how seriously she was treating mm-hmm. this. And I saved that effing Just Friends t shirt. It was like the only green t shirt I had. I, to this day, I still have it in my closet. So this morning, this is 16 years that we're talking about. This morning, I go to the closet thinking to myself, well, maybe I'll wear a, a, a white undershirt and uh, or a long sleeve undershirt. And I'll wear the Just Friends T-shirt over it, and that way I'll I'll wear green. And I like seriously had a, a conversation with myself. I'm like, Glenn, who are you as a human? <laughs> like, what are we doing with our lives? You're not doing anything. You're going to work. You're watching basketball games in the afternoon. Going to the gym, and then going home. Why in the bloody f are you concerned about whether or not you're wearing green today? 
Like, what what is wrong with you? I was at the gym this morning, and yes. I uh, I was wearing Orioles gear, and I'm looking around. I'm like, everybody's wearing green. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah, St. Patty's Day, and now I'm wearing Ravens gear. I, ca- I, I I care not for my, these things. My wife will give my me cra- wife. my wife will give me crap about it. Like later today when she sees me, she'll be like, "You didn't wear green today." <laughs> I'm not doing anything. But she's got the kids all decked out and they're green. They set up, not kidding, leprechaun traps. Nice. Leprechaun traps. We are treating this as if it's like Easter or, or Thanksgiving at our house. What, what is it? If you all see the leprechaun, on. say yeah. yeah. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Uh, very big deal. Happy St. Patrick's Day. And more importantly, a happy uh, first day of the NCAA tournament, which is, of course, one of my favorite days of the year. we got a lot to do on the program today. Today's show brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel and the FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm going to be there tomorrow at noon. Again, if you missed it, we got a special start time for tomorrow's show. We will be on 9 to 11 a.m. tomorrow. And then I'm racing out of here to get down to the FanDuel Sportsbook in order to hang out with Rodney Elliott and watch the early games with you tomorrow afternoon. I got one bet for sure that I know I'm making. I know I'm making tomorrow, and then I'll listen to advice from others about other bets I can make while I'm down there. They got a lot going on. Um, they are opening not just today, but tomorrow, Saturday and Sunday, 9 a.m. to midnight. The FanDuel Sportsbook is open for the first weekend of the tournament, 9 a.m. to midnight. They've got 61 and soon to be 63 24-7 self-service kiosks. So after tonight's games... And by the way, some of those, you know, an overtime game pushes another tip off back. We get to the point where like, hey, I don't know if you noticed, last night's game went until past midnight. So you're sitting there after tonight's game and game's end and you're like, sportsbook's closed. I want to put in bets for tomorrow. No problem. You just walk up to one of the 24-7 self-service kiosks and get your bets in. It's as simple as that. And everyone who is a live rewards member, and so if you're not, you can sign up for live rewards And then if you make a $50 or more bet on any NCAA tournament game through the national championship game, $50 or more on any individual game, you can register that bet to win a $500 bracket bonus. So if you make a long shot bet, right? Like let's just say you bet right state to win outright. I don't know what the odds are, but I'm guessing it's something like, maybe I should should do that. I'm going to... I'm end up sounding like an ass when I say this. I'm going to guess it's plus thousands on right state to pull off a stunner of stunners after they advanced in the uh, first four last night. You, you bet on that, you collect hundreds if not thousands of dollars on your bet. You can still register that bet to win another $500 bracket bonus. Ten of you are winning $500 bracket bonuses from the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. It is really as simple as that. And again, we will see you tomorrow with great giveaways. It is the place to be. Plus 1600 is where Wright State is. So yeah, you'd be making a lot of money on that $50 bet. We'll see you tomorrow, 12 to 4, in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Coming up today, uh, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, is going to join us to talk about what the Ravens have done. We will uh, talk about his new book, Playmakers, and other things going on in the world of the NFL. Um, We meant to do this early in the week. This past Monday was the 25th anniversary of Coppin State's stunning upset of South Carolina, the only the second, I believe at the time, 15 over two upset in NCAA tournament history. There is a documentary now available on ESPN Plus called On and Coppin. Get it? Like On and Hoppin? On and Coppin? Took me a second because I'm stupid. Um, I never would have gotten it. I legitimately sat there for myself. I'm like, 
on and copping what i was i honest to god it took me a sec and then i needed to hear uh it's snoop pearson who who is the um Oh God! Why my brain? She she is the started uh, your celebrations early today. No, it's just I'm telling you there is something going on. I need to go to a doctor. <laughs> like there is something going on. I got a cognitive issue that's happening. It's very concerning. She is the um, narrator. Oh my God! She's the narrator of the documentary. And at one point she says it exactly that way. She's like, "And they were on and copping." I'm like, "Oh, I get it, <laughs> dummy." Um, anyway, Danny Singletary, who hit the icing three that ended things, that put it away in the final minutes, former cop and star, will join us, share his uh, reflections on the 25th anniversary of that stunning upset. Speaking of basketball, uh, current Yale star Jalen Gabadon was born in Baltimore. He's a Glenelg alum, and he's a genius because you know he's at Yale. Uh, not only is he getting ready for the NCAA tournament and their game against Purdue tomorrow, but on top of that, he's also literally launching a uh, sports uh, tech app and is looking to become a media mo. I mean, like, he's just he's just genius. We'll talk to him about all of those things. It's very incredible. And also today, Stan the Fan's going to stop by the studio. It's been too long. We'll talk to him about a little bit of everything uh, as he's going to come hang out with us in the 11 a.m. hour. So busy day on GCR. Remember yesterday when I was talking about uh, – oh, you know what? Hang on. Before I do that, we will talk about the Ravens, but I want to say thank you. We're filled. We're filled. Thank you. It took you all long enough. It took me having to beg and plead and the whole thing. It took Paul having to fill out his first bracket in 100 years. He didn't know how to fill out brackets anymore. Th- thank the zombie Kyle Ottenheimer for lighting the yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah, right? Ass. He pushed you. You had to do it. Filled. Thank you. 50 of you got in. I think technically it's it's actually 51, but one of you, I do not know who you are, and I have no record of you paying, and I've tried reaching out three times, and you haven't responded, so I'm going to end up kicking you out. That's the way it's going to go. Did you get my, my bracket name? Ah, yes. Paul is very excited about uh, his, he's got to, if you missed it yesterday, Paul's penance for losing our uh, draft bet is he's got to go to the Limp Biscuit show. Did you talk to your friends about it yesterday? I reached out to a guy this morning. I'm waiting for him to respond and if he Wait, doesn't, do I, if he doesn't I, go, I'll re- reach out to the other guy. Is one of them the guy that I know? Josh Murr? Yeah, he seems like the type that would go to <laughs> Olympus <laughs> yes, show. Yes. I'm not trying to, to cast aspersions. I like Josh. Nice guy. He's, he's got he an interesting seems, taste in he music. He seems like the type of guy that'd be willing to go to Olympus Biscuit <laughs> show yeah. with you. I think he likes to go to, to rock concerts. He's going to see Shinedown with me at UMBC. It's a different thing. I have no I have no qualms, right? Like, I'm, I'm not... I, I probably wouldn't spend my money at this point on going to see Shinedown again. Oh, but I really like, enjoy Shinedown. I, don't get me wrong. I've enjoyed uh, quite a few Shinedown tunes over the years, and I've told you before. I famously went and saw them open for Tantric at the Auto Bar once upon a time. With like 30 where there people. Was, uh, not, maybe not even that, because there was a blizzard, and for some reason they still played the show, and it was the first time they'd ever done, they'd ever done their uh, Leonard Skinner cover. He nice. literally was just like, you know, I've been thinking about doing this. Since there's nobody here, I'm going to mess around with it tonight and see how I feel about it. Um, but I, I, I like, I have no, no qualms about you going to see Shinedown. There's a big difference between that and going to the Limp Bizkit show, <laughs> where not only are you going to be miserable, there's a half a chance you're going to end up with syphilis. Like, it's just... I think more, more than that. Yeah, I would say it's more like a two-thirds chance yeah. that you're going to end up with syphilis from just attending the event. Um, but that's Paul's penance that he has to pay, and so in honor of that, he went with the Chocolate Starfish as his bracket name, which I appreciated a great deal. Um, you all filled it up. Thank you to those of you that got in. I had uh, the final two spots this morning claimed by our buddy, uh, uh, not a different Tim and Belair. We got multiple Tim and Belairs, uh, but another Tim and Belair, uh, uh, Bill Stecka. Thank you to you for getting in. And um, 
former former NFL punter Travis Boltz uh, got in. I love Travis. That's one of my favorite people. Thank you for getting in. Travis was with the Jets after his career in Maryland ended. He's one of my favorite favorite dudes. Appreciate him getting in. So many of you got in. Our buddy Kyle Andrews got in. Matt Torp. I, I look. I, I'll go through the whole list to say thank you to all of you. Uh, Brian Powell, Caden, Matt Pine, Ian Schultz, John Proctor. John Proctor. You know the problem. I'm looking at you. Uh, Paul Moss, Eric Moss, uh, Carly Henderson, Tim Russell, Jeff Turner, Kyle Ottenheimer, Elizabeth Monteleone, Doug Gambinas, Chris Ruling from Great Eights Memorabilia, Adelaide, um, who's just a big fan of cats and found out that we were supporting uh, uh, Show Your Soft Side and got in. I love that. Uh, Will Steele, John from Little Rock, Andrew Stecka, Ryan Chell, Jeff R., Susan Johnson, Ryan Flanders, Nick Kelly, KZ got in. Josh Stroka from Section 336. Dave Rosenfield. Ben from San Francisco. Matt Crow. Chris Vaksakis. Verge. Matt Torper. Conan Colgane. Aaron Oster from Simply the Bets got in. Uh, Josh D. Simon Habdemarium, uh, who does delicious pizza, the Baltimore Pizza Company. Uh, Dean Tejada from Thread Level Midnight. Thank you, Dean. Great dude. Want Love everything he does. Um I can't say who that is. Patrick Davis got in. There is literally someone who I cannot say for legal reasons. I cannot tell you that this person got in, and I almost gave it away, right? (laughs) I legitimately almost read the name, just forgetting about it. Uh, Tracy Henderson, uh, Kadena Henderson, uh, Paul Valley got in. John Colson, Press Box's Chief Grand Pooba. Uh, Tim from Bel Air, the other Tim from Bel Air. Ivan Lutwin, uh, I mentioned Kyle Andrews, Travis Baltz, Lisa Green. Bill Stecka, and my own father, Tom Clark, all got in. Tom Clark, that's a solid name. It is a solid Tom name, Clark. isn't it? It really, it, you know, it, there's an authority that goes along there with a name is. like that. Ryan Flanders, if it's the same Ryan Flanders, I'm thinking uh, of Bel Air guy, so that I, would make I, sense. I worked with him at the at the Abingdon Target way back in I, the day. I, mean, I don't know about his work history, but he Right is. around the same time, Just Friends came out. All right, uh, that's uh, time-wise, that probably checks out. Uh, I love Ryan. Ryan's one of my, uh, my buddies for a long time. And I, I think he won one of these. One of the, I don't know. He either won one of these or one of our bowl pickums. Uh, so uh, I'm nervous about that. But thank you to all of you who got in. We are going to be donating $250 to show your soft side. That's what I like. That's the part of this that matters is that we can make a nice donation to a wonderful charity. And we're going to be partnering up with them. I'm going to have tickets to give away to Project Runway. And we will be I, – I don't know if they've announced it yet or not. But I mean, maybe I can – uh, we're going to be very much involved with Project Runway uh, coming up. It's going to be a very uh, a great night and a lot of significant uh, Baltimore sports figures are going to be ta- taking part in it. Unfortunately, I, I happen to know that Ryan Jensen is going to be there. It would have been really nice if he had come back to Baltimore, but it is what it is. There's, Tom Brady. Yeah, right? Yeah. I, I completely understand. So thank you to all of you. I don't have to spend any more time begging you to fill our bracket contest any longer. That's out of the way. Now, things to discuss today. One, I I am not telling you that I'm completely fine with where the Ravens are in their front seven yesterday, but I certainly am less concerned after they added Zadarius Smith last night. Now, there's still the part where like we need to see Zadarius Smith be on the field and we need to make sure. I, I'm, I'm in a weird spot related to his back because he played. He played in the postseason. He came back. There is no reason for me to sit here and say well that but that doesn't mean anything like it's a back injury I don't know but I think we all get a little bit antsy when we talk about things like back injuries that kept someone out for the overwhelming majority of a season hopefully the fact that he came back and played is proof that all is good that everything is fine 
that he's an athlete, uh, his back's maybe a little bit different than yours and mine. I hope that's the case. I also hope the Ravens use him a, a bit more appropriately than when he was first a Raven. And the Packers figured out there's something he does really well. Go let him do that. Go let him pressure quarterbacks. And I hope that Tyus Bowser is healthy to start the season. And because they trust Tyus Bowser so much on the other side of the field, they are more willing to allow someone like a Zadarius Smith to simply go after quarterbacks. I don't think that it would completely preclude me from the possibility of drafting another edge rusher. I'm almost, I treat edge rushers almost the way that they treat cornerbacks, which is you just can't have enough good ones. I also think that at this point, I would still prioritize defensive line, center, and still cornerback in the draft with the acknowledgement they could still potentially do other things before free agency is over, or really before we get to the draft, more importantly. I fully believe that if he's there at 14, they're taking Jordan Davis. That, uh, with the I moves mean, they've made, I, I think that's I'm, the guy. I'm inclined to say that's the guy that I'm most interested in at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm inclined to say that, but the corners are so thought of, you know, the Sauce Gardners, the Derek Stingleys, the Andrew Booths, mm-hmm. even Trent McDuffie from out at um, Washington, that if one of them were to be there, given what they went through a year ago, also keep in mind both Tavon Young and Anthony Averett are now gone. Yeah. Um, did Tavon Young sign with somebody else? Not yet, but I mean, he's not on the Ravens. Right. Like you know, I mean, the, he would have they would have to re-sign him. But he could still be back. He could be, but yeah. there's. But he's not. Right a- now. Anybody could be. Right. You know what I mean? Like anybody that's a free agent could be a Raven at this point. They're, the roster as constructed at the moment, they I do think cornerback matters. Mm-hmm. I'm I loved I am obsessed with Jordan Davis because my God, look at it, right? Like how could you possibly not be obsessed right. with it? But as I said yesterday, if there's one position that I have faith in the Ravens finding, without using a first-round pick, it's defensive linemen. Like, their, their history, yes, Haloti Nada was a first-round pick, but Michael Pierce was undrafted. Brandon Williams was a third-round pick. Like, they have history. We think Justin Matabuike is a player. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to say that he's a star or anything along those lines, but we think he's a player. Derek Wolf did confirm yesterday after, with a weird back-and-forth with Jonas Schaefer, that he is not leaning towards retirement that he is planning on coming back so throw him back into the mix um i i'm obsessed with of course i'm obsessed with jordan davis because what's not to be obsessed about but if the argument is if you corner is more pressing because of what they went through a year ago and because we know that, like, for example, Marcus Peters probably isn't going to be around forever. Mm-hmm. I'll listen to the argument of just yeah. drafting one more cornerback, especially considering how well these cornerbacks are thought of. Um, but, look, there's still time for them to make a couple more moves. It is a bit concerning when you see Josina's Anderson, Josina Anderson's report that they also wanted to bring back Michael Pierce, but it's looking like they're not going to have the money to do that. Mm-hmm. Because I can't fathom Michael Pierce's a uh, ton of money. Like, if Michael Pierce is getting bank at this point, then I, that's one thing, but it just, that that seems unlikely right. that he's going to cost you that much money, and if you're looking at it and saying, we don't have the money to do that, that probably means you don't have the money to do J.C. Treader either. Right. I can't imagine that J.C. Treader is cheaper than Michael Pierce at this point. So, that was a little bit concerning, but given what they've done, you know, I get it. Like, if, if doing the things that you did cost you the opportunity to reunite with Michael Pierce, I'll live. You know, like, I'll I'll live because I think you made three 
on paper good moves. Uh, of course, we have to see how they pan out. So I'm I'm on board with Zadarius Smith. I think it's a good thing. I you know obviously have the one reservation about it being a back injury. How can you not have a reservation about that? You have to have a reservation about that. But short of that, you know, my God, do you like the I like the idea of Zadarius Smith coming back? And clearly, two years ago, he was an insanely, insanely productive pass rusher in Green Bay. His first two seasons in Green Bay, Green Bay, he was a monster pass rusher. And I appreciate Pressbox shared a story I wrote a few years ago. It's one of my favorite stories I ever wrote. Like as far as just stories that I've written, like not stupid columns where I just pontificate, but actually doing like reporting and and telling it, writing a feature. I wrote a feature a few years back about. I did not know when Zadarius Smith arrived. I just, for whatever reason, hadn't put two and two together. Oh, I remember at the time I hadn't watched Last Chance U was the story. So I had no care or concern that he had attended East Mississippi Community College. Like it just, when he got here and we were talking to him after he got drafted, it wasn't something that mattered to me because I had not viewed Last Chance U. And then uh, I think Kyle in particular kept trying to harp on me to watch Last Chance U after the second season. So I watched it. And of course, like everybody else was just in love and then happened to be digging around seeing that Zadarius Smith had a relationship with Brittany Wagner, the uh, academic advisor from those seasons of Last Chance U. I was like, oh, that's weird. And then I realized, oh, right, because he went to East Mississippi. And so I ended up going and, and talking for Z- to Zadarius a lot about that experience and then had a great conversation with Brittany Wagner and ended up writing a nice feature about it. And it was one of my favorite features that I've done um, here at Pressbox. So if you haven't checked that out, Pressbox shared it last night on Twitter at Pressbox Online, and you can go back and read it. Um, kind of a really cool story about where Zadarius Smith came from and his own experience. He was not at East Mississippi for the same reason that some other guys were at East Mississippi. Other guys, of course, if you remember, if you watch the show, were there because they got busted for something. They got they screwed up. That's why they called it Last Chance You for him. I think the way that we wrote it was it was more like first chance you because he just hadn't played football. Like he just didn't have the experience in order to be able to get a big time collegiate offer. He needed to go somewhere and play in order to get that opportunity to go on to Kentucky and now have a great NFL career. So it was a really cool story. Really cool story. I encourage you to go check out. We'll see if there's anything else coming. On the baseball front, continuing the rumors continue to percolate related to the Orioles and Carlos Correa. This despite the fact that Mike Elias said the other day that they probably wouldn't be doing that type of thing. I mean, he didn't use Carlos Correa specifically, just basically said, like, multi-year free agents were probably out on. Well, 10 years is a lot of multi-years. He also said never say never. Never say never. He did say that. Um, so our buddy Ryan Blake from uh, Utah Street Report writes yesterday that he also has a source that's confirmed to him that the Orioles made a 10-year, $300 million offer, which is a little bit different than the number that uh, Raul Ramos threw out. when 300-plus million, upwards of $300 million is what he said. Who? Ryan, in the article. He said upwards of $300 million. He, I, I think the number was 300 Okay. It was exactly, like he said, 10 years, $300 million. Raul Ramos threw out a figure that if, in doing the math, would have been like more like 10 years and $320 million. Right, right. But the thought, the thought all along, having been that it would be 10 years 325, 10 years 350 would be something about what it would take to get Carlos Correa. That's all minutia. After this Utah Street Report published this, Raul Ramos, the reporter from Con Las Bases Loaded, followed up to say, and I can confirm, the offer stands. Remember, when he first reported it, he said, 
it was before the lockout. So we didn't know what the lockout did, an agent switch, all of those things, how it impacted it. He followed up by saying, well, I'm telling you, it's still on the table. This is all very awkward because it ain't Jeff Passan reporting it. Mm-hmm. It ain't Ken Rosenthal reporting it. And I don't want to take anything away from either Raul Ramos or our buddy Ryan Blake. Um, Ramos, of course, being a legitimate reporter, BBWAA member, I mean, he's a, a, a true and true reporter. Ryan, I'm not trying to, I'm, I hope he's not offended by this. I'm not trying to knock Ryan, who I like a great deal. He's not a reporter in any stretch of the imagination. I've written for Utah Street Report in the past. I'm, I'm not right. trying to, I don't want to knock Utah Street Report either. I like, I like those guys. I like, um, yeah. Do a good uh, job. I like Derek a great deal. He's, he's one of my good friends. Um, you know, I, Andrew's written for Utah Street Report. I mean, like, but real writers have written for you. I think Todd Karpovich has written for Utah Street Report over mm-hmm. the years. Um, Ryan, his his job has nothing to do with being a reporter. Right. He's telling you he's heard something from someone. And I don't doubt that. I'm not questioning Ryan either. I believe that. But as I always say, for example, I believe that Roel Ramos got a certain amount of information. The question then was, was he planted something? Did someone tell him something to try to drive the market up for Carlos Correa? I, I, I always have to ask those questions. Not that I'm doubting him. And I like Raul. I think he's a really good guy. And as, you know, as I told you, after we had our conversation with him, I found him to be even more credible based on the things that he wanted to talk about and the things that he didn't want to talk about. Um, it lended lend an additional level of credibility to his reporting. That he wouldn't speculate on things that he didn't know. Said, look, man, here's what I know. I'll tell you. I'll talk to you about that. Other things, I'm telling you, I don't know about that. And I'm not just going to speculate for the sake of it. I know this. It's very weird that there is this much out there without there being anything from any of the significant reporters. It's very weird. Not any of the other local reporters, not any of the Dan Connollys or the Rock Kabatkos of the world, not anything from the past. And this is Carlos Correa that we're talking about. And uh, what I think is telling is that these Orioles beat reporters, they haven't even commented on it. They haven't said a word about it in any in any of their in any of their posts. They, the, I, I think Dan Connolly commented to somebody on who was in the comment section on one of his articles. Yeah, that ain't happening. But other than that, they haven't put anything out there to even address. It has anything to do other. with reporting specifically, right. and their answer could be, "This is so outlandish. It, I'm not doing that." Right. It's so outlandish, and they wouldn't be wrong. And it's the thing that I keep saying about this over and over again. I'm always going to remain skeptical because we're talking about something so insanely different than anything the Orioles have ever done that we have to be skeptical. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing wrong with. Um, any of these guys, I know the Sun has a new Orioles reporter this year whose name I actually think he's Zach used to Silver. In- no, 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 no. Um, he used to intern for us. Andy Koska is that his name? Kafka. I'm so I feel so bad. We got We got to track him down. Um, who just started? So he wouldn't be the person that um, that we'd be talking about. I, I am. Maybe it's MLB. Check out Andy Koska. I swear, I'm going to feel terrible because I'm pretty sure he used to intern for us, and I'm very happy for him. I can't believe he got the jo- got a job like this, and I want to bring him on and be proud of him, and I just can't remember what his name is. Andy Kostka. Soon, yeah. Orioles for the Baltimore Sun. Yeah, that's who it is. Thank you. Um, like Andy, great deal. Good kid. Really happy for him. Awesome. 
Um, but this wouldn't be his role yet. He's not he's not entrenched in the same way. But for I'll bring up Dan Connolly. Dan Connolly. I'm not trying to be dismissive of Rock. I, Rock works for the team. He doesn't like it when you say that, but we have to acknowledge it. We can't pretend like that's not the case. Mm. He works for the team. I'm not saying that doesn't mean he doesn't report things or get information, but it's just a different scenario. Because I separate that, Dan Connolly is sort of me the godfather of the Orioles beat. He doesn't work for the team. He's been an entrenched reporter for a very long time. And he does a lot of reporting. And so because of that, he's kind of the guy that I look to in these situations. So... If Dan Connolly, who of course has heard these same rumors, says, what are we going to do next? Ask me if they're going to sell the team. Ask me if they're going to move the team to Nashville. Like, what are we, we're, we're just, my job is not to chase ghosts. My job is to report on the things that are worthy of reporting on. I can't knock Dan Connolly for that. Right. This seems insane. Now, I probably, probably, given his relationships, would have at least run it by somebody and said, hey, this is crazy, right? And gotten the answer to that question. And maybe he did. He might have. But if that was the case, I probably would have at some point tweeted it out as a report, Mm -hmm. as a, hey, I know you guys are all talking about this. I I can tell you this ain't happening. Um, From a source, this ain't happening. So it's weird to me. It's weird. It's less weird that Ken Rosenthal or, or, you know, Jeff Passan is not does not feel the same need to dive in on reports from Cone Lost Bases Full and Utah Street Report. Again, with no offense, they got bigger fish to fry. Freddie Freeman was signing last night for a boatload of money with the Dodgers because, my God, murderers row. Holy F. She saved no excuses. I mean, anymore. really don't. Jesus Christ. So I sort of get where, like, he might be they might be busy. They just might not be in a place to be chasing something like that. I don't know. It's just all of it is weird. It's all very weird. I will continue to work under the assumption that it ain't happening. I will continue to work under the assumption that, you know, it, that there are elements of truth to all of this. And that maybe even the Orioles made an offer knowing. Because as they keep coming back to, the thing that keeps being the most problematic is if you're Carlos Correa, you almost certainly want an early opt-out. And if you're the Baltimore Orioles, there's no way you can give an early opt-out. So ultimately, it might very well be the case of they know. They know he's not coming. They made the offer anyway just because, hey, you never know. But they already have their answer. He's not taking an offer like that. And so it's not really worth talking about. And they got Chris Owings playing shortstop. They do have Chris Owings. All's good, right? Like, all's good here. No no problems in these parts. They got Chris Owings. So I I don't know. I'm just in a... I'm in a weird place with all of it. You have to... You have to address it because Orioles fans are all talking about it. And... And because I I believe these people that are saying the things that they say. I, I have no reason to doubt them. I guess at some point somebody would say, hey, why don't you go do the reporting yourself? It's not my job, but yeah, sure. If this continues, maybe at some point I need to bark up somebody's tree. Maybe it, it, you know, I, I, it's something I try to avoid for a lot of the Maryland coaching search, but finally I, had, I got a message about somebody else. I literally got a message from somebody the other day that said, I'm telling you I've heard blank is going to have a deal done this week. I said, all right, I'm not just going to share that. I'm going to do some reporting. And so I reached out to a source at Maryland who said, I have no reason to believe that this person is a viable candidate for the job. So great, not going to share anything about that. 
So maybe it's time for me to do something like that with the Orioles. I don't know. But it's just weird that it continues to linger. And speaking of Maryland, before we get to our first break, I guess it's a good place for me to step in. Uh, remind you to know the risks. We all love gambling, but you need to know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The Mike Bray stuff continues to percolate in relation to the University of Maryland. And percolate from a lot of different places. Some of it, I fear, is cheerleading becoming information-driven. And when I say that, what I'm saying is there are people within the basketball world, Mike Bray is a really popular figure. And it's not hard to figure out why. If you watch that game last night and his post-game interview, he's like, I hope they have some Irish whiskey for me on the plane. Like he's, He wants to go party. He wants to go get lit. He hangs out on the beach in Dewey every summer. And, you know, he's, he's like Gary Williams light in the social media world. And the, the Gary Williams, of course, those legendary photos of drunk-ass Gary Williams at Dewey Beach, you know, in the social media world, might have been a bigger, I don't know, story. I never at some saw point. them. Oh, there are plenty, plenty of them. Um, Mike Bray's a really popular figure. And really, the, the part that I can tell you with certainty, he really wants the job. That I have gotten beyond any shadow of a doubt. Mike Bray really wants the job to the point where it feels like it's got to be awkward in Notre Dame. Like, if I, Glenn Clark, know how badly Mike Bray has been pushing to get this job, they definitely have to know at Notre Dame. And maybe because it's Notre Dame basketball that we're talking about, it's not the end of the world. If he doesn't get the job, he can just go right back and all is forgiven because, look, it's Notre Dame basketball. It's not football. It's not, you know, it's just not that big of a deal. But it's weird. It's weird. It's like calling up, hey, it's Mike Bray. Just it, checking to see if you want to interview me. It's, it's, it's like that. It's of that ilk. I mean, he has gone multiple channels in order to make it clear how badly he wants the job. And I get it. He's from D.C. He's, you know, from DeMatha. It makes all the sense in the world. He literally summers and Dewey. Like the, I, I understand why he wants the job, and he's likable. You see him do interviews like that. He's likable, so he's a very popular figure. And I don't know that because other people in the basketball world know how much Mike Bray wants the job, they haven't started going to bat for him. I'll give you an example. Former George Washington coach Mike Lonergan, good friend of Mike Bray, also part of that circle of coaches. Mike Lonergan's on every social media talking about how Maryland should hire Mike Bray. And I don't know that in basketball circles, because Mike Lonergan is a respected person, that some of that doesn't end up being conflated into making Mike Bray suddenly the leading candidate for a job. Because so many basketball people are talking about him as being the right hire. I'm not in love with the idea of hiring somebody that's going to be 63 years old. How can you be in love with that? I've said a couple of times, I acknowledge, I think Maryland can do worse. Mike Bray certainly will. Uh, I have a friend named Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy Huber, who does play-by-play uh, -play for uh, Georgetown and some other places. Jeremy Huber, who reached out to me recently and said, Maryland's most significant coaches were two coaches who had true skin in the game. Lefty Drizel had something up his ass about beating the rest of the ACC. Duke guy, he wanted to shove it up every single one of them. 
Gary Williams, of course, was a Maryland guy. The two most successful basketball coaches in Maryland history were guys who had skin in the game, who cared beyond it just being their job. Now, to be clear, Bob Wade also had skin in the game as a Baltimore guy who wanted to prove the Baltimore pipeline and wanted to make it work with Baltimore kids. Obviously, it didn't work out with Bob Wade. But his point is well taken. It's more personal. There's more of a chip on your shoulder to make it work than there would be for the average person who it would just be a job for. And that's the argument that people make about Mark Turgeon, right? Like, he didn't care about Maryland. He cared about the job he had. I don't know if any of that matters. I'll still come back to get a good coach. If Nico Medved makes a run to the Sweet 16 at Colorado State, it might be proof that he's just a hell of a coach. And there are plenty of other guys that are out there that are like that. Go get a damn good coach. But I understand the Mike Bray argument and certainly understand the DeMatha side of it. Like, you want to open up a, a pipeline that hasn't existed? Mike Bray is going to open that pipeline up for you. And as a couple people pointed out, if you hire Mike Bray, the story might really be about who his assistant coaches are as you try to build something. I'm not saying no about Mike Bray. I'm not really going to say no about anybody, frankly. I said that all along. I'm not. Andy Enfield was the guy that I thought was the most practical guy that I would want. I, I mean, I would still. Ed Cooley to me would be a home run, but I get it. Like, we're all picking South Dakota State to beat Providence today. And I just still don't think he's going to leave. If it's Kevin Willard, it's Kevin Willard. I don't, I, I'm not rooting for anybody to get the job. If it's Juan Dixon, it's Juan Dixon. If it's Kim English, it's Kim English. I, whoever it is, get the job. I think they can do better than Mike Bray. I think that a younger coach could do better than Mike Bray. But I definitely think they could do worse. And the point that people make about his personality and getting people fired up, I mean, if you watched the game last night, if you stayed up past midnight to watch both overtimes of Notre Dame beating Rutgers, you saw that. You saw why his personality might be a play, and in quite contrast to Mike Turgeon, Mark Turgeon, to get people fired up. Again, about Maryland basketball. Can't guarantee anything. There is definitely a question about what happened in the four years leading up to this year for Mike Bray at Notre Dame where things kind of seem to fall off the cliff. But if it's Mike Bray, it's Mike Bray. Let's go. I, I, I'm just I'm at that place with the Maryland coaching search. At the place where we want to talk to Mike Florio on this show, today's show, also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buy a Toyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. It is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MD Gambling 
Help.org. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on at GCR in a Thursday edition of the program. I don't know what your plans are for the weekend, but I know they'd be improved with uh, some delicious smoky thigh wings and Guinness grilling sauce from Glory Days Grill. You're just camping out in front of a TV for four days. Do it with the smoky thigh wings and the Guinness grilling sauce. If you're looking for somewhere to hang out and watch the games, I would say your neighborhood Glory Days Grill would be a great location for doing that. Of course, glorydaysgrill.com is the website for you to get your order in for the weekend. And it's not just the smoky thigh wings, which are perfection already, and then throw in the Guinness grilling sauce. Of course, with today being St. Patrick's Day, the entire St. Patrick's menu is available for you at your neighborhood Glory Glory Days Grill. Easy for me to say. I, of course, talk for a living. And it also includes the corned beef and cabbage. It also includes the Reuben, the Rachel. And it includes the shepherd's pie with the Guinness braised beef. Oh, perfection. Glorydaysgrill.com, again, is the website. Get your order in. Find out about your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. It is the best accompaniment to four days of basking in the glory of an NCAA tournament. You see what I did there. 
It is also the best place to hang out and watch games. You got your own little volume control. That's one of the cool things about Glory Days Grill. At your table, you got your own little volume control. So you can choose which screen you want to listen to right there at the table. It's a very pleasant feature that they offer for you at the neighborhood, uh, Glory Days Grill. I would encourage you to go do that. GloryDaysGrill.com, again, is the website. All right, coming up a little bit later on, Stan the Fan's going to join us. Danny Singletary, from former Coppin State star, 25th anniversary this week of that stunning upset over South Carolina back in 1997. And also this morning, we're going to catch up with Jalen Gabadon from Yale, uh, who was born in Baltimore, went to Glen Elg, and is now getting ready to face Purdue in the first round of the NCAA tournament tomorrow. Of course, games getting underway a little bit later on today. Right now, it's been a long time. It's good to welcome back uh, the man behind ProFootballTalk.com. And now he's an author. He's got a book out. It's called Playmakers. He is our friend Mike Florio. He's back with us now here on GCR. Mike, it's Glenn. It's been too long. Thank you for taking the time for me. Congratulations on the book, my friend. Thank you, Glenn. It's been a crazy week. You know, we specifically picked the first week of free agency for the release of the book because it's our busiest time of the year, maximum audience to sell it to, et cetera. And then I realized... Holy crap, we picked the busiest week of the year. Right, right. Yeah, you got a lot of work you know, to do. We were trying to wedge more pizza. Or which more, what do they do? They try to put more cheese into the pizza. We're, we're, the, the, the pizza is overflowing with cheese. All right, let's talk about the uh, the concept for the book. Because uh, I, I, I want to have you give away the, the Tom Brady could have been a Raven story, but I get you want people to buy the book to read about it. So maybe we'll just tease it. When, when you sat down and said, I'm going to write a book... This feels like a very broad way to go about doing it. What was the idea? What was the thought process behind what you were working on? Well, and for years I had people telling me, you seem to know a lot about the NFL. You should write a book about it. And I don't want to. I write about the NFL all day, every day. I already have the platform. I don't need to find a publisher. I don't need to, I'm, I already, If I have anything to say about the NFL, I can say it at profootballtalk.com. Right. That's the thing that was built from scratch. It's been around for 20 years. I don't need to write a book and eventually i just said well screw it up I'll, I'll i'll explore the possibility to get people to leave me the hell alone i don't you know now now i won't have people saying you should write a book or if they do i say i already did thanks for buying it right. but uh uh the process for nonfiction, you got to find an agent first and then you got to come up with a concept that the agent then tries to sell to a publisher, and the publisher has to buy the concept, not the manuscript. Thank God you don't have to write it before you try to sell it. You sell the idea, craft the outline, and we we went back and forth, and I feel like as much work was put into that phase of the process, figuring out what are we going to do, why are we going to do it, how are we going to do it, and we settled on this idea that we will look at the past 20 years in the NFL, broken down by 10 different categories, although the last one focuses on the future. And then within each of those categories, at least 10 essays that when you focus on the individual story, the anecdote, yep. the controversy, the scandal, whatever it is that's the subject of the chapter, there's some truth about the way the NFL operates that comes through. So if you read the whole thing, and it's structured so you can just flip it open and, well, I want to read this, I want to read that. You don't have to read all of it. You can read some of it. You can read whatever you want. And it, it was structured a lot like Tim Green's book from 25, 30 years ago, The Dark Side of the Game, where he did a series of essays of similar length about what really goes on in the locker room, what really goes on on the field, etc. Uh, and uh, that ended up being the, 
the concept we agreed to, and once it was time to write it, it was just a matter of sitting down, and the thing wrote itself once we had it outlined to the point where we were comfortable with it. So I'm glad it's over, but it's also just beginning. That's, that's the other thing I'm realizing. Release date is right. not the end. Right. It's just the beginning, even though you've already been going for two or three years. Well, now they want you to go sell the book. Now they want you to come you know, do a thousand, as if you weren't already doing a thousand radio appearances every week. Now they and and, and now it's right. like, hey, let's do another one. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're good for a little while. Yeah. You're good on that front. Uh, we've linked it up on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio, so you can go check it out. Again, Playmakers, How the NFL Really Works from Mike Florio. Can you give us a tease on the Tom Brady Ravens story that, that won't give everything away and people can still read about it in the book? Oh, no. I mean, I, look, I, I, there's plenty of, of nuggets in there of information that either wasn't previously reported or wasn't widely available. And, of course, when Tom Brady becomes the greatest player of all time in NFL history as the 199th pick, there are going to be plenty of people who claim that they they saw it coming. Right. Bill Polian has blustered in the past that they had a first-round grade on Tom Brady. Well, why the hell didn't you draft him then, Bill? Because yeah, you had a few chances. he's available. Right. He's available beyond round one. If you have a round one grade on a guy who is still there at round five, maybe you should think about drafting the guy before someone else does, and then you can develop him and trade him to someone else for more than what you drafted him for. I mean, these guys are interchangeable parts in a machine, and it dehumanizes the players, but that's how it is. If you wanted him, you go get him. You squat on him. But I heard years ago that Matt Cavanaugh was on the table for Tom Brady, and Brian Billick just had no interest. And uh, and I'm sure other teams, you know, look, I mean, it's not like the guy was some – vague prospect from Lithuania that, you know, I mean, he was a quarterback of Michigan. Yep. He, you know, won the Orange Bowl. I, I think that his pre-draft work was so bad that that's what scared a lot of teams away. But uh, there were teams out there that, that had, had him on the radar. And, you know, even the Patriots – who took him in round six, they, they took plenty of guys who never panned out before they took Tom Brady. To your point, it's really easy to dunk on everybody related to Tom Brady, but to, even the Patriots didn't really want Tom Brady. It was just a, it was an end-of-the-draft pick. He was a, One right. of the reasons he became Tom Brady is because he was an end-of-the-draft pick. That's right. one of the ingredients. You know, I say this all the time about receivers, that it's almost better to go in round two because, like Michael Thomas, even though he's fallen off due to injury the past couple of years, you get a chip on your shoulder that never goes away when you've suffered that indignity of yep. putting yourself out there and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and the phone doesn't ring. When you clearly have a high degree of confidence in your abilities and no one sees it, you become more determined to put in the work if you feel like you've been slighted. And uh, maybe Tom Brady never becomes Tom Brady if he doesn't get drafted 199. That's a great point. It's a very, very good point. And look, the Ravens got their guy a couple years later in Kyle Bowler, so everything was fine. Brian <laughs> yeah, right. It all worked out. found his quarterback. Playmakers available right now. Uh, again, uh, we've linked up on Amazon on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio. Mike Florio is with us. Mike, I want to run this theory by you and get your thoughts about it because it's there, it's being sort of said quietly by a few people after the Ravens this week spent more money than we're used to the Ravens spending in free agency, right? Um, there are people that say, look, boy, it really seems like they're kind of going all in this year. Are they are they aware that like Lamar Jackson's not going to be here long term? Are they are they maybe making plans that they need to try to win a Super Bowl right now because they're going to have to do something different and. I, you know, as you know, it's been 
unlike when we were dealing with Joe Linta and Joe Flacco, it's been awfully tough to get really quality information related to exactly what's going on. And hypotheses are running wild when it comes to what's going on with Lamar Jackson. Where are you with that? And what do you make of the fact that the Ravens this week did something so very un-Ravens-like in the first week of free agency. Well, one thing we have to take into account is the impact of the Rams' approach on other teams. And we're seeing other teams do things that maybe they wouldn't have done in past years. The Chargers very aggressive. They're not just trying to stay competitive in their division. They're trying to trying to stay competitive in the stadium they share with the Rams. And, you know, the NFL is a copycat league. Whatever works for one team, you have owners who show up at these meetings saying, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing this? So you start doing it. So I think that's part of it. The Lamar Jackson thing is fascinating to me. This is either a deliberate strategic play or it's completely misguided. And I'm inclined to say it's misguided. And at a minimum, I think what he should do is set up meetings with five agents to screen them, to interview them, to maybe pick one, and along the way pick their brains about what they think of this approach of basically failure to engage, deliberate, if it is deliberate, failure to engage the Ravens, and you necessarily push yourself toward free agency. And I've said this for years. A first-round quarterback can, if he's willing to play seven years with his current team, can force his way out because that third franchise tag, you do four-year rookie contract, fifth-year option, two tags, And you walk away after that because the cap number ends up being astronomical because you get a 44% raise over your second franchise tag, which is a 20% raise over your first franchise tag. A third tag isn't going to happen. And if that's what Lamar Jackson's trying to do, I, I understand the theory. I just think he's the last quarterback who should be doing it because of the way he plays because he is going to get ground up. And we already are starting to see him get injured. You know, he was indestructible the first couple of years of his career. He got injured on a hit that really didn't look all that bad. That guy, you know, the guy dove low at him when he was out of the pocket against the Browns. But uh, between that and the, the periodic illnesses, and I, I just, I, I think that he desperately needs an agent who can help him shape the right strategy and who then can go negotiate with the Ravens. And, I, you know, it's, it's awkward for the Ravens, too. I suspect that if the Ravens were being truthful about the situation, they would say, we wish this guy had an agent. Because we don't want to try to do a deal directly with a player. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you've got to say things that, that aren't uh, positive. You've got you to point out the weaknesses as you're working through a tough negotiation. You know, I suspect that when they were dealing with Joe Linta on the Joe Flacco deal, they, they, they may have said that, you know, well, the, he can't do this and he can't do that. It's right. hard to say that directly to the guy. So it would help everyone if he had an agent. And I, there's been this movement among some players, and fortunately it hasn't spread. You know, it's one thing for one guy, like a Richard Sherman or Russell Okung, to decide it's right for me to not have an agent. It's another thing for them to try to spread that gospel and get other guys to do it too, just because they have a bias against the agents because they had a bad experience with an agent. I feel like that's the common thread. But the reality is, you know, that, that 2 or 3% that you're going to give an agent you're going to be left with more than if you get 100% through your own efforts. That's almost always the case. Richard Sherman, the first deal he signed with the 49ers was embarrassing. They had to get the NFLPA involved 
to try to get the 49ers to go back and tweak some of it to make it less slanted against Sherman. Okung's deal that he did on his own with the Broncos was beyond an embarrassment. He was completely taken advantage of by the Broncos. And these guys need good agents. Now, there's bad agents out there. You don't need a bad agent, but you need a good agent. And Lamar Jackson is good enough that he could get the best quarterback agents, and he could interview each of them, and he can pick whichever one he wants. And along the way, he can find out what they think of his apparent plan to go one year at a time, because I think it's a mistake. And if he was my, my son, my brother, my cousin, my friend, my client, I'd say you are doing the wrong thing for your your career, your family, and your own financial interests. Mike, if the theory is that you know he, he wants to do the seven-year thing and then go play elsewhere, or even that he's like turned off by what the Ravens' offer was, and let's let's work with the idea, I, and I don't know, but but Lock and Forrest said it was a thirty-five million dollar offer, which we all know that's that you know that's a joke, right? That's like, an you, opener. That's how you negotiate. Uh, you don't come to the table. With your bottom line, if you come to the table with your bottom line, you're going to pay a hell of a lot more. Well, See, sure. that's the problem sure. with directing, directly negotiating with the, the, the player. The player doesn't understand the, the, the way that the world works when it comes to negotiating. So let me go back to that and say, let's just say for whatever reason, that's as far as the, the Ravens have decided that they don't think they want to pay Lamar Jackson $50 million a year. They don't want to pay that rate for whatever. If you're Lamar Jackson, why would seven trying to get out after seven years – be a better play than demanding a trade right now in a market that is utterly devoid of quarterbacks, where Kirk Cousins is getting Boku dollars, where there are, what, seven teams in the NFL right now that don't have a legitimate NFL quarterback on their roster. Why wouldn't you try to force your way out to get that money now, if that's what you're looking for? Well, because if you don't have someone to do the work for you, to make the phone call to the Ravens, to make the request to the Ravens, how do you do it? How do you go about doing it? Who does, who does Lamar Jackson call and have that difficult conversation with? That's the problem. And that's why players need good agents. It's very difficult to have these communications directly. And there's been no talk. There's been no rumor. There's no been anything suggesting he wants out of Baltimore now. Maybe he should. Maybe that's part of what an agent should be advising him to do. And, you know, part of what an agent forces you to do is sit down and figure out what your objectives are. Has he ever sat down and, and, and thought long-term about his football career? Or is he just kind of going one day at a time? I don't know. So um, that, that's, that's the reality. When you don't have an agent, you have no one to force you to engage in the kind of long-term planning that results in the decisions. Do I go year to year and stay here seven years and then move on? Do I try to get myself traded out of town? Do I do a long-term contract? Uh, meanwhile, they got Tyler Huntley, and even though Huntley's yeah. not as good as Lamar Jackson, dollar for dollar, if they could, you know, the thing I'm watching is because he's an exclusive rights free agent, which means he's not a free agent at all. But if they would sign him to a multi-year deal, that would be an indication they're protecting themselves against the uncertainty that's going on with Lamar Jackson. I I, I hear you, man. I we saw the Tyler Huntley thing. Like he's that's not an he's not an NFL quarterback either, Mike. Like he's a he's a guy, and I you know you can certainly have him around as a backup, but he can't throw the ball downfield. Like you know it's I I. I I've heard that a few times, and it's just I, I'm I'm struggling with that. Like, they, if they, if they're making plans around Tyler Huntley, they got a bigger problem. Because, well, on the other side of it too is they're getting closer to the draft, and yeah, um, I mean, right. You, but, know, you see what they do in the draft, yeah. right? Then hey, the other question is that you know, they, they've built the offense around Lamar Jackson. Yep. Well, you either are going to have to change the offense, or you have to find another Lamar Jackson, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes as no, well. And I don't and I don't know that there is another Lamar Jackson, yeah. right? He's, yeah, he's, well, that, he's that unique. 
it's it's just it's unfortunate. Look, if this was happening within the confines of a guy who was represented by one of the top quarterback agents, I would say, well, this is a shrewd move, or there's a method to the madness. I don't know that there's a method to this, and it, that that's what's unfortunate. If it's just kind of randomly happening and there isn't a plan. That's not the way that this should be going on because Lamar Jackson is putting too much money at risk, especially in light of his playing style. Um, I, I hear, I, you know, again, with the idea that he has done a very good job of taking fewer hits, like he has done a very good job of eluding those big hits. But I, I understand what it is that you're saying, Mike, for sure. All right, I know you got about a thousand more of these to do. Um, Playmakers is available right now. Go check it out. Amazon, we'll link it up. We had a, we had a snafu. We tagged the wrong account, so we, we're fixing that, and we apologize, Mike. Anything else that we can plug for you? The show, the podcast, anything? Well, that's all. That's the stuff. I'm used to. I'm used to plugging that stuff. So yeah, right. 9 a.m. Eastern, PFT Live on Peacock and Sirius XM 85, PFT PM, Peacock and Sirius XM 85 at 5 p.m. Eastern. But uh, go buy Playmakers. Don't get it in the library. People, people are saying it's showing up in the library. No, no. Yeah, buy it. Buy books. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know what's that? what's this whole swap meat used book? Bring it home. Somebody's had it in the bathroom or gotten nacho cheese Doritos all over it. Do you really want a book somebody else has had their hands on? Get your own copy of Playmakers. That. That's my sorry, librarians. That's my official position. Mike Florio, appreciate you, my friend. Congratulations again on the book. It's it's an awesome accomplishment, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. As all always. right, thank you, Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com. Apologize, we had a little snafu that everybody was getting all hot and bothered about. Paul's fixing it. it these, these things happen. It's a, it's a mistake. These things occur. But we're getting that fixed on Twitter right now. Um, you know, look, I, I think it's easy to say Lamar needs to have an agent. I think it's easy to say that. How true it is, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I'm still struggling with that. Does he need to have an agent? Probably not. Would it be helpful? Probably. Where we're going, I, I'm i still at a loss. I go back to the word weird. I'm still at a loss as to where we're going. I don't know. I don't know where we're going with this. But there's nothing logical. There's no logical path. I can push back on a few of the things. Whenever somebody brings up Tyler Huntley, stop. Stop. If the Ravens are making a decision considering Tyler Huntley, they should blow up the organization. I'm not trying to disrespect Tyler Huntley, who I think is a, a neat story and a capable guy, but stop making plans around Tyler Huntley. No. No. He's not good enough. You're, you're going to go, you're, being, you're in Pittsburgh throwing yourself at Mitchell Trubisky. And not even, frankly, Mitchell Trubisky. I, I don't. I hate saying this because it sounds. It sounds like I'm taking shots at Tyler Huntley. Mitchell, Trubi, Mitchell Trubisky is more naturally talented than Tyler Huntley is. Tyler Huntley showed an ability to run around for a little while, and that's not nothing, and can keep you in the NFL for a little while, and maybe could make you as good as Tyrod Taylor, who's been a spot starter for teams, but it ain't good enough to be a guy that you can build a franchise around. He could be someone's transition quarterback until you get your, your quarterback, but you don't make plans around Tyler Huntley. The risk of playing it out to seven years because of the wear and tear, again, we have to acknowledge Lamar's injury didn't come because of his style of play. He has avoided the big hits. I still don't know why it would make it smart, even if we dismiss that, even if we say, hey, he's really not more of an injury risk. I, you're still not going to sell me on why it's smarter to wait it out seven years. 
get more guaranteed money from whoever's willing to give you guaranteed money. It's as simple as that. I don't know what we're doing here. And again, if the Ravens aren't willing to do it, and to Mike Florio's point, it might very well be that $35 million was just their starting number and that if they actually got into back-and-forth negotiations, they would get to the point where they would acknowledge they're willing to pay him $50 million bucks. If I'm Lamar Jackson, I would say, let's skip to that part. I'm telling you I'm willing to play out to the tag. So if you're going to tag me, we skip ahead to that number. Forget all of it. And if the Ravens are dragging their feet and saying, we don't really want to skip that part. We want to talk about numbers between there. Then you say, cool, trade me. Everyone needs quarterbacks. Everyone. Not everyone, but so many teams do. Trade me. Let me find out who the team is that's ready to give me that number and get more guaranteed money than I would get playing this, this franchise tag game. It just makes no sense. All right, today's show is also brought to you by, ooh, this one's brought to you by the Baltimore Police Department. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Danny Singletary was part of the Coppin team that beat South Carolina 25 years ago in the NCAA tournament. We're going to chat with him next. It is a Thursday edition, St. Patrick's Day edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. 
The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport. And why his perspective of the title run has changed now, two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcasts. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Thursday edition of GCR ahead of the start of the NCAA tournament today. And it's with that in mind that we are really happy to welcome in our next guest. And I got the chance to watch on ESPN Plus this week on and Coppin, which is a a very cool doc that uh, Jerry Bembry and his team put together uh, celebrating the 25th anniversary of one of the great upsets in NCAA tournament history. And if I remember correctly, it was the second time in uh, NCAA tournament history that a 15 seed had ever beaten a two seed. And 25 years ago this week, Coppin State up in Pittsburgh defeated South Carolina. Joining us now, the man who hit the dagger three to put it away in the closing minutes. He is former Coppin star Danny Singletary, and he's with us on GCR Danny, it's Glenn and Paul back in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Danny, when, when I bring up 25 years ago and you guys being up in Pittsburgh to play South Carolina, what are the memories that come flooding back for you? Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> the, oh the, just the atmosphere, how – how much of just nervousness, excitement, and just seeing just the crowd. I felt like I was in the NBA at, right, right at that time. Wow. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. It's a little bit different than playing at the old Coppin Center, you know? <laughs> exactly. When it, when it only holds 2,500 20, compared to 25,000 plus, and, uh, and it felt like every seat was filled. <laughs> what made you guys believe that week, Danny? What, you know, is it, it, we, when you were, get, were getting prepared for that game, what made you believe you were capable of beating that South Carolina team? Well, you know, um, our coach, Payne, always said, you know, we had the toughest, of, you know, of, um, out of conference schedule in the nation. So when I played the Arizona. We played the Californians when David State was there. Um, we played the Nebraskas when Tyrone Lou was there. We played Oklahomans when Nahara was there. So we played big teams that, you know, is now in the NBA. So when we got to the, got to the time, it wasn't the fact that, you know, if we could play with them, it was just 
Hey, Danny, I apologize. We're getting a lot of interference on your phone. Can we can we grab you and see if we can't get you in a, a little bit of a better signal? Paul, if you can pick up okay. the phone and, and see if we can't get uh, Danny in a little bit of a better spot cell-wise, uh, just because I don't want anybody to miss out on what it is that we're talking about. Danny Singletary from Coppin State with us here on GCR. Just um, trying to make sure that we can get him there in a, a little bit of a better spot in order to have this conversation as we reflect back 25 years ago on uh, their upset of South Carolina in the NCAA tournament. Um, it is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Again, we are getting ready for the start of the NCAA tournament today. And don't forget that Rodney Elliott, speaking of uh, Baltimore basketball, Rodney Elliott, the former Terp, the Dunbar legend, he and I will be with you in the FanDuel Sportsbook tomorrow at Live Casino and Hotel. We'll be hanging out, watching the games with you from 12 to 4 with great giveaways, betting advice, things along those lines. Looking forward to hanging out with you tomorrow in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Let's try to go back to uh, Danny Singletary, the former Coppin star. Let's see if that works out a little bit better. Danny, you there? Yep. Is uh, I'm better? It's a little bit better. Yeah, a little bit better. We just got to fix something on our end. Great. Awesome. Thank you for, uh, for getting that squared away. So, yeah, it, what, you, what you pointed out, as we all know, I mean, Fang scheduled the world tour every year, right? Like, you guys, yep. you guys are playing everybody. And because you had played in all those kind of crazy environments, that made you say, you know, we, we can go do this. This isn't crazy, us beating a team like this in a neutral court. Exactly, exactly. When, when you go play a, a good, tough, out-of-conference um, season – Planning, planning your own conference was was totally different. So we was already prepared for that. But then going back and winning the tournament and coming back out and playing there, it just made it a whole lot more sense when you know we stepped into stepped on a court with a you know a big team like South Carolina. Danny, your shot is sort of thought of as the one that put it away, right? When you release the ball and you see it go through there with, what, with about one forty left in the game. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know it was at the end of the game. I knew. I knew the, um, the shot clock was um, um, time um, going down. So I was just like, "All right, if I can get it over his hand." Right. Right. <laughs> just gotta get when when it goes down. Can you like take me through? Is there any way that you can recreate those feelings that you had in that moment? Kind of knowing, oh, this is happening. We're doing this. <laughs> that. Oh man, that memory right there was crazy. But it was, you know, was even more um, that, that made that didn't make sense to me, but made sense. So when I shot the shot, and I saw it go through in my head, I'm like, "Yes, I'm gonna see how they're gonna come back." So in my head, I'm like, now, as much as I want to celebrate, I'm like, "All right, we gotta get back on defense now, yo." Yo, you know what? What's my next? You know what I mean? What's my next step right now? Wait a minute! I got to get back on defense. I know he's gonna try to come down and match me, and that's that was all in my head. So it was crazy that you said that because if you see the next, the very next play, I got the steal. That's right. Um, that's right. You weren't. You right. were. Yeah, you weren't celebrating. You were. Right. You were still playing. Exactly. Exactly. Like when I shot it and it went in, I was like, "All right, what's the next play?" You know what I mean? I know they're going to come back and try to score real quick. Let me get back. You know, I, as everybody else to celebrate, I'm like, yo, we know we need to get back because, you know, hey, they about to come right back at us. And just like that, I was just like, you know what? Even though, because my, my biggest thing was always, I knew I was always the underdog, but I always had to be ready for whatever happened, you know, as being an underdog. Like, we, I celebrate when it's zero, 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 zero. But right now, we we still in war. 
Yeah. We still, you know, yep. I mean, we still in a dog. Yeah, fight. We, we haven't won anything yet, and, the, and you guys exactly. knew I, that was a loaded team. They were plenty capable of scoring points in a hurry. There's no doubt about that. Exactly, and you know, I mean, remember that's the year they beat Kentucky twice. Right, right. Oh, they were they were very deserving of being a two seed. There was no debate about that. Like people hear <laughs> South Carolina basketball, they're like, really? I'm like, no, no, no. That was legit as legit could be. Exactly. That, that team. They beat the big team Kentucky twice where everybody was, you know, getting ran through. You guys had a great chance. You know, Danny, as much as the memories of that day are so wonderful, are they at all conflicted by, like, the, the real chance that you guys had to to win again against Texas a couple days later? Like, how, how long that, did it take? To, the, yeah. Now, that is the memory I, I, I don't look the the... <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 dwell about because um that game and you know I never I never really brung this up ah oh, man that game if we'd have beat Texas I think we would have um beat Wisconsin I think we'd it would have been a, a showdown with us in North Carolina at that time um because if you remember Texas lost to um Wisconsin when they had um that one shooter they uh, only, they lost to them sixty three sixty four was it Finley. Not Finley, the other one. Um, oh man, it'll take. I'll come up with it. Yeah, but he it was just the one guy in a squad that you know. I mean, they always went to, and they lost sixty three, sixty four. Texas lost sixty three, sixty four. Remember, we played up in the eighties. So right. We, you know, right. It was a totally different, you know, game of how the style we played compared to how Texas played. It was, and you know, Texas was a big team. So, uh. You know, if you look at their players, you know, with Clyde, they have big guards, huge guards, um, you know, Reggie Freeman. So it was that was a game where, you know, and, and they they and they Bigman was even bigger. So, you know, they was they smallest guy on the court at one time was like six three, six four, and I was sticking Clyde at six three. Right. And you know, I'm only six foot. So <laughs> <laughs> that game right, so it was in it came all the way down. To one, even though you watched the whole game, every, you know, we lost 82-81, it came down to the one play where I know I, I knocked just – I watched the whole game in my head, and 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 the only thing I remember is the last play. <laughs> and, you know, um, us setting up for a, a out-of-bounds right on, the, right on an hour court, and me looking where when I meant um, when Red got pushed, and I came because you know I was the release player. I was the relief of um the relief pass on a, on a squad. If I would have stepped up, and, and that's the one where Clack came in front of me and um stole the ball. If I but if I would have stepped and we would have collided, I knew I would have got the foul right there. And I knew for a fact that you know we would have beat them. I, I would have made those free throws right there at that uh, time. Still, yeah. still. It changes nothing about what you guys actually accomplished. I mean, I, I get it. You could accomplish more. What was the coolest moment in the in the aftermath of that for you, you know Danny? What, the, the coolest, crazy. I'm gonna tell you, it, it was also a crazy moment as well. We, you know, we went to. You remember um, Rob Woodson, right? Yep, of course. All right, you know he had a restaurant in Pittsburgh at the time. Yep. We went to the restaurant. <laughs> We stepped in the restaurant with our copping gear on. Yeah. You know they didn't want to serve us? Wait, what? <laughs> they, yes. <laughs> Why? Because, you guys just pulled off the greatest upset ever. But guess what they, they said? It's, it's some um it's some um 
influential men in here that was upset that we won the game. <laughs> So yeah. you're, Wait, hang on a second. Can I read that? Correct. Cur- you mean like maybe like some some perhaps mob guys that had some money yes. on that? Yes. That is awesome. <laughs> oh my god, what a story! Yes, you it guys. Some- did did they end up serving you or not? Did they end up? No, no. They, we, oh we my had to leave. god. We had to leave. Yes. No, I, I bet you never heard that. I've yes. never heard that story. You yes. couldn't go to dinner. Because betters, mobsters, lost so much money on yes. South Carolina that they wouldn't. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yes, that the waitress is... said, "I don't think y'all should want to um sit in here." Oh, and I didn't want to say that word, but they was like, "There's some guys that's in here." Oh, that, yeah, that is incredible. How, how county of y'all right that now. is really incredible, man. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we turned around quick. Whew. I was like, yo, we need to be out. I mean, I don't know. Guys like you, I'm kind of surprised you weren't ready to fight. You can see we was – it was that – oh, man. It, <sighs> that is crazy. Did did you get to – was there somebody that you got to meet or that you got to hear from at some point after that? I mean, it wasn't the social media age, right? Like, so you didn't get to – like UMBC won a game a few years ago, and like Steph Curry's tweeting with them afterwards, right? Because right, right, right. Now nah, we didn't, ha- we didn't have, we didn't have that luxury, but we did have the luxury of being the first historical black college to, you know, go to the tournament and win. Yeah. So having that, you know, we we went different places. Like afterwards, um, you know, the Harlem Boys Choir, we went and we met them. We had a parade down in um, D.C. And met the Secretary of Defense there. Wow! Um, wow! We went to a Baltimore Orioles game, and you know, Coach Van Mitchell threw out the first ball. So we had it. We definitely had, you know, for being, you know, the first to do different things for with, with the historic Black College. We definitely had some um, things that we did that appreciated, you know, the fact that this is the accomplishment that we made. One of had. one of my favorite stories about you, um, were you even at Coppin State to play basketball or did you have something else that you cared about <laughs> a little bit more than that, Danny? Yeah, um, that's crazy that you guys like, um, so I went to a um, NAIA school, Ohio Valley, yep. you know, um, and I came there on a baseball scholarship. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, came there on a baseball scholarship. Um, I'm talking to the baseball coach. So the baseball coach is like, and I heard you play basketball over there. I was like, yeah. and, you know, I was All-American in NAI. I was All-American. Um, I was 35. But I was like, this wasn't my sport, though. I wanted to play. That was the love. My love was baseball. I wanted That's to play so baseball. F- wow. So, yes, it was great. And so he introduced me to the basketball coach. So the coach was like, wait a minute, you a baseball player. And that's what, he, that's what he said. He was like, you a baseball player. I was like, yeah, but I play basketball, you know. And he literally, and you know, with some guys in the gym, I'm I'm meeting the, the head coach, Wayne Mitchell at the time, and there was some guys downstairs. I'm I'm in an eagle nest, and there's guys downstairs playing. So he, he looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and he was just like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever if you ever heard big talk, like come on, you know he always you know, and that, from that point, and I said, you know what, give me some shorts. You know, I go to I had no problems going on there, and that's where I first met Turk, Jupac, um, Julian King, yeah, 
Turk Mamak, that's when I first met them. Um, they was down downstairs. They was, you know, in the gym shooting around. Um, that's when I first met Antoine Brockerton, you know, um, and Reggie Welch. So that was the, the little squad that, you know, that he already had there. And, you know, putting me together in the midst, you know, uh, I just meshed. You know, um, you could see Turk was a big boy at the time. So, you know, with me, my behind, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in there going, you know, oh man, this is a big boy. Right, <laughs> right, right. Oh. And, you know, I gained Turk respect by, you know, he, you know, they, we, we was playing a little game, a three on three and they switched off and he's hitting me hard and I'm sitting up here hitting him right back. Like, come on. And I'm sitting up here in my head, like what in the world is I'm but he definitely you know from that point you know me and him definitely you know talked and then he was just like oh you coming here and you know i was just like yeah and and, and of course you know everything else is history, it's history right on. from from <laughs> from being there to play baseball to being part exactly. of one of the greatest moments in the history of college basketball i mean it's, exactly. it's uh, what an awesome story it was definitely a blessing. Danny, before before I let you go, I, I want to know, when you sit down the next couple of days to watch basketball, do you find yourself rooting for, you know, low seeds for 15? Or, or, or yes. I almost wonder if it go the other way. Like, hey, man, the more I, of these I guys, always, the more of these guys I, that I, win, I, I, the less people remember that. us. <laughs> I've been the underdog all my life, ever since, you know, because, you know, I always used to be the smallest guy. So I always had to work the hardest. And... You know, you do. I mean, it, that's not taken away from the guys that work just as hard. You know, I mean, but that's the favorite. But I always was the one that, hey, you know what? I want to see what happens when that 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 guy that nobody thinks that can ha- make it happen, see what he does. So I'm always rooting for the 15s, 16s, the the you know, I mean, the guys that you know people don't give them a really a good chance to win. But I always was taught, you know, you put on. You put on the socks and you put on, you know, you put on yeah. the uniform. The Just like everybody else. Do. Yeah, right. No yep. doubt, man. So, no doubt. you know, you know, stats don't win the game. Let's go. Let's go Norfolk State. Let's go Texas Southern. Let's go. Let's go make some history. Mm-hmm. I like everything about that. Yeah. Hey, Danny, uh, what can we tell people you're up to these days? <clears throat> well, at this time, um, I live in Georgia now um, and I work for Home Depot. Um, I'm a loss prevention officer for Home Depot. And that's, you know. That's these days what I'm what I've been doing. Um, I'm on off time, you know. I'm still, you know, in a in a community. I wish I was back at home in Jersey, but um, I'm doing a little something right now where I'm trying to help the kids out um, with with the, just the consciousness of how you know how to look at things now because how the world is now, you know, being a student athlete, you got to look at it from definitely a, a perspective of which how you can make yourself better. And I always tell them, you know. That's the reason why a student is always in front of the athlete. Because in anything you do, if you don't, if you don't seem like you're a coachable person, if you don't seem, you know, if you out here and you think you can be a good basketball player or a great basketball player, but you don't got no grades behind it, that coach not gonna look at you like that. You're gonna have to be at the, you're gonna have to be a a LeBron James now to get an opportunity where, you know, they're going to go and look at the, you know, Steph Curry that right. has great grades, you know, and on top of, you know, not being the basketball player as he is now, but he's coachable. 
So he's done a, you know, always, you know, that potential is always a ceiling for you when they can see that you're, you're deemed to be coachable. And, you know, you have a 3.4, 3.5 GPA compared to you having a 2.5 and a 2.0 GPA. It's, it's important. That's an important lesson to be sharing with yes. young people, man. I appreciate that. Danny Singletary, man, I was a, I was a kid. Paul, <clears throat> Paul and I were talking about the other day. I was like 14 years old, and I was jumping off my couch. It was, <laughs> it was such a thrill. It was such an exciting moment. It was so cool to see. Uh, Fang get his name on the court here at Coppin, and I really encourage wow. everybody to check out On and Coppin, which is available now on ESPN Plus, which is a great well, look back to, on it. I, I didn't really even get to watch it because you know I've been I've been running around with Home Depot, and everybody been talking. You know they put me in you a group it. chat, and yeah. thing, you know I'm like, hey, you gotta watch it, bro. It's it it'll it'll, it'll send some memories back, Danny. Um, what what a thrill it was uh, watching you guys shock the world 25 years ago this week. Thank you for taking the time for us. Oh. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate everything you did, and, and thank you for the call. Absolutely, man. Great to hear from you. Danny Singletary, uh, former Coppin State standout. Again, 25 years ago this week, they uh, knocked off. I had never heard that story before. They couldn't go to dinner because mobsters were so mad about the money they lost betting on South Carolina it's crazy. that they forced Coppin out of the restaurant. It's crazy. Rod Woodson's place. We might have to deal with Rod at some point. Might have to bring Get that up. A call. That is wild, man. Uh, great story. And again, go check out On and Coppin'. It's really good. All right. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. Encourage you to be playing Underdog. They got plenty of great basketball and hockey contests, baseball coming in the next few days. Of course, you use the code PRESSBOX. Make your first deposit up to $100. We'll match it with free money for you to play with. You can't legally bet on your phone or on your computer yet, but you can play underdog and feel like you're betting with player props and parlays plus the traditional fantasy games you've known and loved. Download the Underdog app or go to underdogfantasy.com. Stan the Fan Charles is here. He's going to come hang out with us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. 
Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. Baseball is back. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball. Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. That's the bat around live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, back in here on GCR. And it's been a while. Look who's wandered in to say hello, hang out with us. Where's the camera? You want to show your bracket you got with Tennessee? I got them losing losing the Longwood in round one. Sorry, bud. Got bad uh, news. They're, they're losing the long Everybody run. knows the Glenn Clark pool. Yeah, the, correct. I've never gotten anything. Actually, I don't have them losing Longwood, but yeah. that'd be great because I know Longwood's coach, of course, uh, former UMBC assistant Griff Aldrich down at uh, Longwood, so that would be a neat story for him to do that. I've got them losing to Villanova, actually, in the, uh, I think, Elite Eight. I, I just, I've seen them play about two times this year, but I, oh, makes you an I sort of had my eye. Sweet 16, I got to They lose just them. sort of win all the time. They do a lot of winning. You're not yeah. wrong about that. Yeah. The Tennessee does a lot Barnes of winning. It was someone when when Rodney and I were hanging out in the FanDuel Sportsbook on Sunday. Yeah, there was somebody that showed me a very significant bet they made on Tennessee to win it all. Like I said, boy, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but if you got that was my beard. That's what that the guy that you sent down. I don't know what you're doing with your life, but if you got this type of money to throw at Tennessee winning it all, how much did he bet? Like I mean, five grand. A little right around that neighborhood, right around that. I'm like, holy. What yeah, are they? To, I mean, they're probably like fifteen to one or. Um, yeah, it'd be right. Well, you know, I don't even think it's that to win. Wait, to win it all? Yeah, probably yeah, around enough. fifteen to one. Yeah. I was gonna say, yeah. I think they're there. I saw their final four odds the other day. Hang I on, I'm sure Gonzaga is probably the favorite. At they like are two, two to one or seven. They are, to yeah, two. they are negative money to reach the final four. They are right. just over plus money to win the national championship. Okay. Like they are a significant. Favorite. And I would think Arizona's like uh, in the Gen- three Gonzaga or four to plus one. two. Again, we take our numbers from the FanDuel Sportsbook. Yep. Gonzaga plus two seventy. Arizona six to one. Kentucky plus nine fifty. Kansas eleven Kentucky to one. Kentucky is like third. Kentucky is third. But I think this also. Surprising. For example, Duke is seventh, and right. I know you don't want it. Duke is not even close to the seventh best team in the country, and definitely should not have gotten a two seed in the NCAA I tournament. I agree. They should have been a three, yes, and a low three. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I, I just I, think it's name recognition that leads yeah. people to bet on no teams like that. And there's a lot of money being bet sentimentally on. Yep. People don't Mike bet Krzyzewski. sentimentally yep. that much. 
But on something like this, they're saying, hey, these players will make yeah, a Yeah, they'll push to get him a title. Yeah, they'll yeah. get him a title. Uh, I was thinking that about three weeks ago when I watched them play North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I saw something in that team. I said, boy, they really wanted to win that game for Coach K. You know, his last time at Dean Smith. Yeah, how'd, uh, how'd that go? And, well, they did beat oh, the Carolina. Sorry, Carolina. the Carolina game. Yes, they um, did win that one. And yes. I had a feeling that the game at Cameron was going to be much closer, and I gave UNC a chance at that game, a significant chance to win that game, because I said Carolina's not going to want to be beaten in his last, you know, in their last game against Coach K. But I watched them, uh, not the Syracuse game, the game against Miami, they did not look very good, and then the Vatech game—they they, they, they get their they, ass beat. It's just the—it's been the problem Coach K's had the last like seven or eight years. When he went into the one and done thing, he did it big time. He didn't just get one or right. two one. That's and why done. they built the roster. Yeah, yes. and there's no veteran presence out there to calm things down. To really yeah, if things aren't the going team. their way, yeah. they, they tend to struggle. It's yeah. a very good point. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Tennessee is 25-1, to 1, so you were almost so right I on it. I still have yeah. time to get down there. Uh, if you want to race down, the yeah. games have – and the, the odds, even after the games tip off, the odds yeah. will still be up for winning yeah. the title. But after they lose to Longwood, you, you won't be able to get you in know, any longer. I heard from a friend of mine who plays in some pools that I run. Mm-hmm. He's out in Vegas right now. That the Tampa Bay Bucks – and I was shocked to hear this, that they were 25-1 to 1 yep. before the announcement – well, they didn't have a quarterback. Who, who was going to have – I mean, why wouldn't they have been like 200 to 1 before well, Brady came there's, there's back? Well, because only, there's only so many teams. You know, like there's only 32 okay. teams. Well, so I mean, I, mean to, I mean, I hear you. If you look at who was available, there wasn't a lot of available. So I wonder if a lot of there was, inside people I, There was definitely some word Brady that there were some big bets yeah. that had been laid down on the Buccaneers right. in the week, that there was some inside stuff. I'll give you an example of something. Stan. I think they're coercing the fa- the Brady family. I think they've got them held hostage. Did you just hear what Danny Singleton? Yeah. Yeah. So you remember when Coppin? By the way, Stan the fan is here. Did we say that? I don't even know if we said that. Stan the fan is here. Danny, do you remember when Coppin beat South Carolina 25 sure. years ago in the NCAA sure. tournament? The story that Danny Singletary. I've never heard the story. before. That was in Pittsburgh. That was in Pittsburgh. Right. They after the game went to go to dinner at Rod Woodson's restaurant in Pittsburgh. Okay. And the server said, "You have to leave." And it wasn't a racism thing. Right, right. It was, there are some mobsters here that, that lost, lost a <laughs> lot of money on you, right. and they right. want you gone. Okay. I thought they and might I, want to pick he, up the check. Yeah, no, he said the term was very influential people, yeah, is what they were told. There were some very influential people here that want you out. I, yesterday, I got a buddy. Who told you that story? Danny Singletary. From, okay. we, I just We just had him on. I, okay. This is the 25th anniversary this week, so right. we're celebrating that. That's great. Uh, and I really do encourage you guys to go to watch uh, On and Coppin is the uh, documentary that Jerry Bembry made that's available on ESPN Plus right now. What's Celebrate it on? on and Coppin. On there's and a there's a phrase in culture. It's On and Hoppin. Okay. He just changed it to Coppin. On and Coppin. Okay. So um, yesterday, I've been betting a lot of the Indian Wells tennis tournament this week. And yesterday, I looked at the Yannick Sinner Nick Kyrgios match. Now, Nick Kyrgios is a very popular tennis mm-hmm. player. Who's not always very good. He's got a lot of talent, but he's just kind of crazy. Yannick Sinner might be a star of stars okay, in the next couple the next years. Couple he is an Italian player that is just unbelievable. Never heard of either player. And you know look, I follow tennis I know, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, Yannick Sinner is a rock okay. star. A rock star. Nick Kyrgios, you, you know Nick Kyrgios. Every year during the Australian Open, they put his matches in prime time because he's a, he's a huge deal in Australia. Right. 
Um, but he's he's crazy. Like he just sort of loses his mind. And for as talented as he is, he starts trying to hit the ball between his legs and being an entertainer and forgets that he's supposed to be playing tennis sometimes. Right. Sounds and I, like a modern day Elena Stasi. Kinda. Yeah. There's you know there's maybe even a little bit more yeah. there. So um, I looked at the numbers yesterday, and I said, Sinner's only minus 125? What's going on there? So I text a buddy of mine. I said, that doesn't make sense, right? right, right. And he said, hey, look, Kyrgios hasn't dropped a set yet. They're at Indian Wells. You know, he hasn't really played anybody, and they've never played each other head-to-head, so right. it's kind of hard to come up with what the number should be. And I was like, I mean, there's no world in which Sinner should only be minus 125. He should be more like minus 300 right. against. So I'll lay down a hundred bucks on center at this number 20 minutes later yannick center had to pull out of the match because of an illness now, so did they you lose that bet no because it didn't get played thank god because if he had gone out and tried to play and then yeah, had to bail then i would have lost the bet probably, but clearly yeah, somebody knew. got yeah. word that yannick center was sick yeah and that could impact him playing, and so they could only establish him at minus one it's just a mi- every time you see something like that and you're like that doesn't make sense yeah. They know something. Well, Brady, they know something. apparently Brady's comeback dropped the Bucks from 25 to 1, which, again, I think is crazy that they were only 25 to 1, but to 8 to 1 now. Uh, seven, 750 is where they are right yeah. now in the FanDuel Sportsbook behind only the Bills, who added Von Miller. We didn't really talk about that. They added Von Miller today? Bills were a big number. Six, Six years. Six years, 120. Yeah. yeah. They added Von Miller. Now, look, it's a lot of money, but I get it. He's Von Miller, and everybody was making fun of the Rams for adding Von Miller, and yeah. all of a sudden when they won the Super Bowl, Von yeah. Miller was a massive yeah. part of them winning the Super Bowl, four sacks so. in the in the postseason. Yeah, I'll. I'll Have the Ravens done anything this morning? Not since Zayre Smith is still the most recent thing that they did. They did bring. Yeah, last night okay. they they signed Zayre. What Smith. kind of contract was that? Uh, three years, four years, thirty. Four years. Million. Thank you. That's exactly okay. right. Four years, thirty. And how much guaranteed money? Like twelve. 14, I did not. I, I, I did not that. see. Okay. I did not see what it is. That's good one. I saw him released by Green Bay. I thought there was a fit there. Uh, Stecka uh, apparently bet twenty-five to one on Tennessee, so he's riding with you. Okay. He's riding with you, Stan All the right. fan. He's on your side. Um, did he just? Did he just say something to you about yeah, that? He did. Okay. He just, he just, does, does he realize that any chance? Tennessee yeah. Oh yeah. I got. Been. I got bad news for you, Andrew. I'm so sorry. <laughs> the fact that y- you made a huge mistake uh, betting Tennessee at twenty-five to one because now that Stan's picked them. By the way, you're poor son of a bitch didn't even see it coming. You're going to have a guest on Tuesday morning, I think, yeah, at 11 uh-huh. o'clock, Yahoo Blackwell. Yep. Have you researched him? I haven't all? done my work yet. Okay. I know he's a boxer. He's a boxer. I know he's got a big fight coming he's up. He's got a big fight coming up a week from tomorrow on CBS Sports. He's on the undercard. It's in the Dominican Republic. And Boogie Wanglass is a friend of his and has helped him. And he's a, a Baltimore institution. Him, su- support him. So Boogie says, look, if, if, if he wins this fight, and he's getting a nice number for this fight. Win or lose, he's getting 350. Okay. 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 It, it, win or lose, and I'm doing a Zoom with him, by the way, tomorrow. Tomorrow. You got, you got two shows. We'll talk more about yeah, that I in got, a second. You got, got two shows okay. this week. Yep. Uh, but but uh, Boogie says, he says, you know, and the reason I'm helping him a little bit, he goes, fan, he goes, if, if it really, he wins this fight, I want you to become involved, and you'll have a little piece of the action. This is and sort of I like said, a horse. You're buying. Said, well, you're buying. I said. I said. Do you realize this poor guy doesn't realize? Oh yeah, what it's a great. To his it's a terrible idea. I said. You, keep the minute you put keep me him away. Keep him away. We want this kid to do succeed. Anyway, Stay away from him, Stan. He's a powerful boogie. Met him when he was in town 
working out at LifeBridge Health. He saw this That's cool. This big, That's burly cool. African-American guy, and he started talking to him. And the guy's a fighter and uh, a pretty damn good fighter. By the way, speaking of boxing, just and, and we will. We, we'll talk to him. Yeah. I know you're doing it. There's a really cool local story that's just because boxing doesn't matter anymore. Right. Like, it's not getting any play. There is a fight that's been announced for a couple weeks from now. Haseem Rahman Jr. versus Tommy Morrison Jr. Wow. It's a Are really one neat, of them any good? Like, Haseem will tell you his youngest son is the best of his three sons. Right. Haseem Jr. has has fought relevantly at the heavyweight level. Like he's, it's funny because it's hard I, for me to think of Haseem Rockman having sons that are now in their. Well, clothes. you know, it's, it's we had him on a couple weeks ago, yeah. um, and and I was talking to Haseem about his his youngest son, and I did not realize how young his youngest son was. Which he, I was like, how is a son of yours fighting at lightweight? He's like, Glenn, he's fourteen. <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> Oh, okay, yeah, that makes more sense. That made no sense to me whatsoever that one of Haseem's boys would be right, a lightweight. Right. But yeah, Haseem Rahman Jr. versus Tommy Morrison Jr. Will that be on TV? Somewhere? I'm trying to find it. I just saw it pop okay. up. I'm trying to get the details on that because right. I'm going to put. I'll, good. I'll happily put them on to promote it yeah. because I think it's a neat story. Yeah. I also have told before. I randomly it was close friends with Tommy Morrison for a while when I lived out in Arizona and got to walk him to the ring when he tried to make a comeback. Uh, in 2007 or whatever year that would have been, um, my buddy Tracy and I got to walk. Like he he invi- I, he found it, he's like, are you coming to the fight on Saturday? I'm like, eh, I might go. He's like, great, you can walk with me to the ring. I'm like, wait, that's part of your entourage? <laughs> he's like, yeah. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> I felt like Justin Bieber walking out to the ring with Floyd Mayweather. I'm that's like, great. it was Tommy. The, it was the Duke. I'm walking out with the champ, man, Tommy Gunn from the Rocky movie. We try to pretend never happened. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. that was a cool thing. Which one was that called? What Rocky was that Five. Called? Rocky Five. That was where, where they they didn't build up to an actual boxing match. They <laughs> built up to a fight in the street. <laughs> that was the. We just try to pretend like it never yeah. happened. Rock, the other, all of the other Rocky films are so good that we can pretend like Rocky Five was never a thing. Never existed. <laughs> just, just never. Existed. Just never happened. So tonight, you're going to be on Zoom. Yep. Gary Stein and I tonight will welcome in a young lady who uh, interned for me briefly, probably about 10 years, 12, 13 years ago, when she was probably about 14 or 15. Maddie Brightman. She is the daughter of T.J. Brightman, who's the vice president with the Baltimore Orioles and a longtime friend of ours uh, over here at Press Box. Uh, Maddie is a... um, a, a sort of p- content producer for the Scott Van Pelt show, which, by the way, do you see it sometimes? Yeah. Do you ever have any clear understanding what time it starts? It or just ends? sort of depends on when what they're what airing. Event? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it seems just, like an, a very complicated show. I think the concept was supposed to be eleven. Like he was supposed to be like a right. late night host. Right. But it just like they, they for put example, him on after events. if the Suns are playing on ESPN and I'm watching right. that game, he'll come on after that. If there's okay. a, a college basketball game that I'm watching on ESPN, he might come on after and that. And they must have the show, and I'm going to talk to Maddie about that. They must tape. They must tape segments. Oh, they 100 percent to kind yep. of fit in the, the work around when hey, we got yep. 15 minutes here or yep. eight minutes here. They did a tremendous story the other night, um, the Chosen Ones, it was called, about the high school team that beat LeBron James, it's like the, the 25th anniversary or okay. something like that. Right, they sure. beat him in the state championship. I don't even know how I knew that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's a neat story. They were undefeated that year and uh, had beaten this team 
by about eight or nine points earlier in the season, and they were talking about it, how it it, it showed we could kind of we weren't in awe of them, right? And they ended up beating them, you know. So so you're talking to Maddie tonight, yeah, seven then, o'clock, and then tomorrow at one o'clock. Luke Jackson and I will talk to Yahoo Blackwell. Okay. And then Monday, Dave Tremblay is our guest. I saw Dave's got a new gig. He's got the same gig, actually. It caught me by surprise. He's he's coaching in the – he's managing in this Major League Baseball – Draft league. Draft league. It's the players who don't get drafted. Mm-hmm. It's the league that Frederick Keys are in. Yes. Yeah. Sounds, yeah, yes. that sounds right. Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, um, his pitching the, coach is Jim, Jim Gott. Gott. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. For Starting giving, the first game of the streak. Yeah, giving yep. Cal Ripken his game ball from his first major league win yep. the night that Cal broke the streak. I, it's funny. I never knew about that story, but Stan told me about it years ago and said, you should try to talk to Jim Gott. Yeah. It's a really great story. And then it ended up being one of my favorite stories that I ever did yeah. because you talked it. So Jim Gott, the former pitcher, who's now the pitching. So this is the State College Pennsylvania team that right. Dave Tremblay is the manager and Jim right. Gott is the pitching coach. I could swear he was in Virginia last year somewhere. Might have been. I don't, okay. I don't know. But he's no, in, I know, Dave Tremblay. Right. I know okay. he's in State College okay. now. Okay. Um, so so I reach out to Jim Gott, and his stories are unbelievable. He's like he's, he's got some good uh, ones. He said – uh, so Jim got started. The, of course, nobody knew it was the right. first day of the legendary streak. He started game one, and it was his first career win and he as a pitcher. Game ball so of course, on his shelf for like yeah, 30, 20 he's, years. He's got the know. ball because it was his first career win. And then the night that Cal Ripken was going to break the streak, Not he happened. Twenty happen- years yet? Yeah, yeah like 12, twelve years, thirteen years. Yeah. He was injured at that point, and so he wasn't pitching. And the Orioles called and said, "Would you want to come to the game?" Right. And he was like, are you kidding me? Of course I would like to come to the game. And then they followed up by saying, would you be willing to ride (laughs) in a cab with Ernie Banks? Right, right. right. He's like, yeah, Yeah, I think I can share a cab with Ernie Banks. The only part of the story I think is different. I think he he reached out to Orioles PR. Maybe it was what it was. I've got this ball. Right, and, and, and like he wanted, and he was with it, and like Cal to. was really reluctant to take it yep. when he offered it to him. He was yep. like, "No, I really want ball, you to have right. it." Yep. And I've talked to Cal about it, and yep. Cal's like, "It, I, it means a lot to it's me. A like, great, it, great it, story. It, it means more that it was his first career win, and he was willing to give me the ball. Absolutely like, fantastic. Means even more story. to me. It's a tremendous. Yeah. I, I couldn't have." He said, he was like, I, I felt like I was giving gold to the baby Jesus that night. Like, yes, I'm willing to give him the ball. By the way, did you guys see the other night they announced? It was during a Wizards game. They announced that the NBA, in 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 honor of their seventy fifth seventy fifth anniversary celebration of the top seventy five players. I think they're doing this to every city that one of the players played in. Okay, but the NBA is paying to refurbish oh, the unsell school. Yep. school. Awesome, what a great story. Awesome, awesome thing. I mean, for you're them looking to do. probably at a, like a million dollars or more. To refurbish the Unseld school. Absolutely. It's a great, excellent, great story. Excellent story. And, yeah. of course, the Unseld family, even after Wes's passing, is is still involved and still yep. trying to do wonderful things in our community, and yep. I, I greatly appreciate You know, Earl's got a similar one in New York. I didn't know that Did until know recently. That. He's doing kind of inspired thing? by, by what Wes did. He started a similar concept yeah. up in New York, which is really cool. Was Earl in for the CIAA? Did he? Get uh, in? He did. He did. He came down for the CIAA. Yes, yeah. he was down. They had some a press release the yep. other day that it was really a big success this first year. And right? hopefully with a renovated arena. I'm still confused about the renovations, man. I, like I started looking at some of the. 
the uh, the images they've sent out, and I'm like, it still looks, mm. yeah. it, you know, like what are we doing if we're just putting a pan, a coat of paint on it and yeah. sprucing I, up? What really are we, like? It still has the box shape. Yeah, like that's it's awful. Well, like, they're n- they're never going to be able to do away with the box. I mean, that would be hundreds of millions of dollars. But to like, do what are we that. doing then? Yeah. If the, if this is what we're doing, this I, I'm I'm trying not to be too negative about it because I I want. I, I, but Frank has done an unbelievable job with that building since he took it over. Let's be straight about that. There is no what they managed yeah, to do is that, yeah. remarkable. And what they what, look, I think what sports fans have to realize about this new plan, you know, this refurbishment, is it's not geared. Baltimore, you're not getting an NHL hockey team or an NBA no. team. It's geared toward giving creature comfort to people that come to see. And again, concerts from and, and you know from the outside it looks kind of neat right you're yeah. like oh that's that's definitely yeah. more pleasant to look at than, yeah. than what we've seen before I'll 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 look forward to seeing that but then you start seeing like the, and this is what the hallway looks like and that certainly looks more modernized yeah. Yeah. but it's the the seated area okay that's the old seated area this yeah. is what the new seated area is going to yeah, look like it's not, not the exact be, same you can't do anything to that stage without Tearing you know? it. I mean, you're talking and that, about, and that's kind of my problem. Is yeah. what are we really doing? Why? I, I you know the famous story about that. Do you remember the actress, the late Dorothy Lamour? She was the famous femme fatale in all of the Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, okay. the road to, you know, the road to Rio, and okay. all that. And she was gorgeous. She ended up, and I, I mean, every guy had a crush on her. She was gorgeous. She ended up marrying some wealthy guy here in Baltimore and was a big muckety-muck in the the late 50s and 60s. And she was on the committee that sort of was making decisions about this building. And she wanted, because of her, she wanted the stage (sighs) that this would be a big help to the city of Baltimore to bring plays potentially and aye, all that. Aye. And we ended up, it, it ended up. 60 cursing. years later, here we are yeah. at the same you know the, effing stage. You know, the original discussions of the Baltimore Civic Center, which it was initially yeah. called when it opened in 61, the first discussions in, in, in city council history took place in 1906. That's when they started talking and debating about it. So it took 55 years to get to get that building. You know? mm. Yeah, Christ. we have the yeah. same problems 116 years, years later. Years we have the exact same problems yeah, in our 60 city. 60 years later, and we've got we're still oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. albatross. All right, all right. Um, are you panicked about the Adley Rutschman thing? Are you? This is the pro- not, on, not, on the not, surface, two to three weeks, not the end of the world. The I'm problem not being panicked about it. It's just I. I feel. Look, Mike Elias is not the biggest warm and fuzzy guy. You know, I mean, he's a sort of cold calculating killer. Yep. He's calculating and all this. I just feel bad that some of the the things he sort of counted on, like the the Herstad injury, Kerstad injury, Heston, yeah, Heston you Kerstad, know, the myocarditis. Uh, and now this, you know, and the pandemic overall, there, you just couldn't put more obstacles in the way of trying to, to rebuild and get some interest and all that. I was hopeful he was really going to make the opening day roster this year. Were you, Paul? I, th- I think he was going to. Yeah, I, I think he was he going was to, now. but now there's no chance. Yeah, now there's no chance of that happening. You know, And uh, Robinson Chirinos was a good pickup. A solid pickup to be the backup catcher mm-hmm. on a team, you know, and maybe maybe catch 
40 games or something this year if everything had gone right. But now, who knows, you know. I'm, I'm just guessing that you and I disagree about one particular. I don't know that you and I have talked about it just because we haven't, we haven't been able to have as many of these conversations right. since the yeah. pandemic hit. I absolutely love and can't believe how much I love because I was opposed to it wildly. Right. I love the extra inning rule. And I, when I grew into loving it okay. too. Oh man, I'm thrilled I was to hear just that. on a I was just on a I was on your show yeah. the other day. Yeah, we talked about it. And we talked about it and I said but but I who who did I have on mo- this past Monday night? Um, was it Tim Kirk? Doug Desensei. Doug Desensei. No, and we talked about it, and he kind of chuckled about about when I said I brought it up, and I said, "But Doug, I actually ended up loving I love it. it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's the best thing that baseball has yeah. done. And when yeah. and when the the CBA came together and they were getting rid of it, I'm like, what in the f? I, I who, totally agree. Who the wants only it difference, gone? The only difference I would like to see. I probably would have liked hockey has the five minute overtime before they go to the shootout. I probably would would do one or two innings of normal baseball, and then I, I've heard that from a lot of a people. Little bit more, but I understand. You know, uh, we just don't want to do these marathon games. Yeah. The, there's not good for there's nothing good about these marathon baseball games. They're good for they're good if you're home and you hear about one. I've watched some of them that have just been. You're yeah, if, up at if, like three in the morning watching a game like between the Braves and the Mets that had three rain delays. There's just something romantic about I, it. But we, I understand we all talk the, about that night in Seattle where we all yep. stayed up till five a.m. to watch the end of the yep. Orioles game. Yep. I understand we have romantic feelings about a unique circumstance. Yep. Now, again, most people that have jobs literally can't do that. Yeah, like not. A, we're talking about a very small percentage of us that either have the right job that allowed us to do it or. We're of a certain age um, that we were able to do I, it. I understand it, there's, and I appreciate there's it. There's no benefit at all to these marathon games. And, and they, they said that they're revisiting it, yes. so perhaps they will do an inning I, or two of, of regular baseball. I don't and then, know. I hope, I hope it's around in some form, and yeah, I fully understand why they would want to go to it immediately. I just kept that. I probably would have one inning that would – I probably would go to 10 because 11 innings sounds odd, 12 sounds odd. Mm-hmm. I, I, but I think one inning, if you said, hey, you get one inning to determine it the regular way or else you go to this right. this thing. So. I, I, look, I, it wouldn't, I wouldn't lose my mind if that's what they did. Yeah. I don't, you know, you got nine innings to play a bit. You played a whole baseball game. Right. If you couldn't determine a winner in an entire baseball right. game, let's go. Yeah. And as I keep saying, the best possible scenario is the one where I'm glued to my TV. I can't tune out. The moment I find out a game is going to extra innings, I can't look away. You know, I have to watch this. How many times did you watch it this past year, Glenn, where the team that goes goes first in extra innings scored a run, and you said, ah, oh, damn it. And then, then all of a sudden, the scoring a run, it should be fairly easy right. to score one run. Right. And how many times you saw a team come back and win – even if they fell behind by two runs in the top of the inning, I'd see them immediately somehow score the one run, and then because well, it's it gets around, an inning going, yeah, because the pitcher's now worried about the runner on second yeah. base, and you might be able to work a walk because yeah. of it and get another runner yeah, on base really, and start. It's baseball. Yeah. It's it's not guys just walking up and swinging for home runs. Yeah. It's real by God baseball. Yeah. Are you? Con- That's a good way to put it. Are you convinced that the end of the shift will get us more? action in baseball 
or are you like so many convinced that it's not going to change the thought? Pro- you know, Dan Duquette. No, I think it definitely. Who, who, who said, I, we had Duquette on the other yeah, day, and, and he's he like, didn't seem to think it would change it's, much. It's, this is what what's happened is we did not reward players for attempting to do things against the shift. Right. So yeah, there'll be a few more hits that drop in, but guys are still going to go up and swing for home runs because we're rewarding guys yeah. for swinging for home runs. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I I think it will definitely. I, I cannot remember the figure that I heard. It was two years ago. I was listening to an an ex. It had to be. It actually had to be in 2019 before the pandemic. I was listening to a preseason game on my Sirius radio, and it was a Tampa Bay game. And Dave, uh, Andy Freed's partner, Dave, oh, uh, uh, Dave Wills, Dave Wills, yeah, was talking about a stat that he had heard. That like in 2005 or something like that, the average left-handed hitter in the major leagues, and I guess this took out Scribinos, but the average was hitting like 276 or 286. And you think about it because they're facing mostly right-handed pitchers because mm-hmm. there's a predominance of right-handed pitchers. Um, but that now that number had dropped in like 10 or 12 years to 236. Yeah, I heard it's in the like 230s. Yeah. yeah, it was in the 230s, and you think about that. You know, Chris Davis, for all of us bashing Chris, Chris got mind-effed by the shift, you know? Chris Davis was a, a decent average hitter. You know, he, The year he had 53 he, home yep. runs, he had 286. Yeah, two, yep. 286, and his one base percentage was always good, mm-hmm. and he got a lot of hits to right field. You know, or, or and then when they went to the shift, Chris Davis, his mind got whacked out that he was turned around, and every time he turned around, he was hitting 180. I, I, I read an article two years ago that said that, and they interviewed some left-handed batters about the shift, and they said, we don't try to beat the shift, we try to hit the ball over the shift. Right. And I think that that's why you see a guy like Ruth Neto Dorr, Joey Geller, Gallo, who can't hit better than their weight. Uh, Chris Davis, whose lifetime average dropped to below 200, or maybe yep. not that low, but you get what I'm saying, because they're trying to hit over it instead of beat it. Yep. It's the old, you know, you don't walk your way off the island concept that, that you know, people talked about with Latin players, yep. right? Like, you're not... Doing the smartest thing baseball-wise is not the thing that's going to get you big contracts. It's not the thing that's going to get you. You're not going to bunt your way to being a $100 million player. It's never – there is no example of that. There's no one that you could point out and say, here's the guy – I guess Ichiro, right, is the one example of all time of the guy that was able to make a lot of money doing it. Now, he also happened to have an absurd arm. I mean, Ichiro's one of one in that type of player. But that's it. There's one example of a guy doing those types of things that was able to make a lot of money and become a superstar in baseball. You know what's an interesting uh, thing, and we talked about it Saturday, Paul. I told you about this guy, and he'd be a good guest for either your show, The Bat Around, or for this show, Rick Straub. Do you know that name? He's a catching teacher. Okay. He, um, I don't know what he does, for, whether that's what he does for his full living. I met him at Bill Bateman's one night after taping the TV show about four years ago. Okay. And he's a he teaches young kids how to be catchers. You know, so their parents, if a you know, okay. kid loves catching, they hire him and he te- tutors them. This this expanded base, the larger yeah. base is going to make it much more difficult to throw out would-be base stealers because you're There's talking be a little about bit, a millisecond. Yeah, it's a little bit closer, yeah, absolutely, yeah, 100%. It's just so a little it's bit closer. It's an interesting topic. Yep. 
you know, what what they're going to have to do to combat that. But again, that will spike a little bit more interest. You'll probably have an uptick uptick this year. Is the new base going into effect this year? 2023. 2023? 2023 along with okay. the pitch clock and yeah. the ban of the shift. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, I just am blown away the fact that the uh, the robo-umpires, to me, that will be the number one time differential thing in baseball and they're so resistant to it it's mind-boggling i'm 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 pretty resistant to it myself and it's not there is a human element argument but that's not even my main argument my argument is that a ball that is clearly not a strike but nips the strike zone on its way to landing in the opposite batter's box could be called a strike and i think that that's a little absurd uh, see to me there's I, I can't recall how many times i saw kevin gausman get screwed on a call mm-hmm. that should have been strike three and his pitch count was in place and he was pitching good and all of a sudden he would fall apart by not, by having to throw eight or nine more pitches to that batter who eventually got on by a walk or a hit. And to me, there's nothing better you could do to the game of baseball to speed it up than have a predictable strike zone from game to game, from inning to inning, from night to night. Uh, you know, now we got Glenn Clark's strike zone on Monday and night. Look, I, Paul Valley's strike zone on Tuesday night. That's not the way the rule book is written. The rule I book mean, defines what is a strike. I, and, and I get what you're saying, Paul. And I've said before, to me, that's going to have to be collateral damage because I I do think that it, it at some point there has to be uniform. I just don't to your to what you're saying. I don't think batters are going to like it as much. Yeah. When it does go in, and I think that's their reluctance now. Is but, I don't but think they Angel will, but they should, is, is but in short much. order, they should begin to be familiar with what's going to yeah, be a strike. This is the strike zone. This period. is going to be the strike zone. Period. This yeah. is it. Well, this and, and, and it's gonna it's gonna be one of those things where if they're gonna do it, they're gonna have to implement it in spring training, and maybe like the All Star game or something like that, and then they they don't well, bring it into the regular season. What it really needs to do is have it. For a couple of years, being triple A, double yeah, A, come up triple A. I think that they, that they did it. In, they did it in one of the low A levels. They did, they they did they it. Experimented in the, with it in the Atlantic. In the Atlantic League. League for sure. Yeah, they did it's it, got yeah. a. It, but you know, I just hope they don't toss it aside because nobody discusses what that will do to time a game. When a batter knows, I can't work the count. When a catcher knows, he can't cheat. You know, that's what pitch framing is. Yep. Is yep. cheating. Yep. You know. 100%. It's become an art, and we've paid people for yeah. it because they're so good at pitch framing. All right, sir, we got to wind down. We gotta, we're going to talk to – it's 12.04. Yeah, we, we went 45, uh, 30 like minutes. Uh, well, we got we to gotta talk to Jalen Gabadon before we wrap All up right. the show, hey, Yale basketball player from Glen Hill. Again. We'll try and do this a little bit more often. Um, again, later tonight, Maddie, Maddie Brightman. Brightman. She's a content producer for the Scott Van Pelt Show, daughter of yep. our good friend T.J. Brightman of the Orioles. Uh, tomorrow afternoon, Luke Jackson and I will confer with uh, Yahoo Blackwell, who's fighting some gentleman uh, who he says he's going to take out pretty quickly All right. down in the Dominican Republic. That fight, Yahoo was born in Africa, yep, but he's lived in Baltimore since he was two years old. Very so cool. it's a good local story. We'll have him on tomorrow at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on Facebook Live, YouTube. And then Monday night, uh, former Orioles skipper Dave Tremblay We'll talk to him about Excellent. all this stuff. At Stan right. the Fan on Twitter is how you follow him. Great to see you, my and friend. And I'll be on with uh, the baseball. Yeah, on the, the bat around on Saturday morning. Absolutely. At 1045. 1045 10 yeah, yeah. Excellent. See you guys. Stan the Fan, appreciate Go you. Go Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, I got bad news. They're losing the Longwood. Let's get a tidbit quickly. Tidbit of the day is brought. You can hang out for this if you want to hang out for this. Tidbit's brought to you by Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140 a.m. 
Simply the Bets in partnership with, uh, of course, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Get you set up for the week of betting. Also, every other Thursday, Weekend at Bookies, which returns next week. Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140. All right. So I did this last night. And this morning driving in here, I was thinking, I think I did something similar to this, but not quite this, um, back in October. So hopefully you don't remember. All right. All right. So yesterday it was announced that Zadarius Smith had reached an agreement to rejoin the Baltimore Ravens, a team that drafted him in the fourth round in 2015. The agreement was four years, $35 million, to bring the pass rusher back home after he left the team for the Packers following the 2018 season. When healthy... Smith is considered one of the elite pass rushers in the game, telling sure. 13.5 and 12.5 and sacks his first two seasons in Green Bay before the back injury sidelined him last year. Of course, Smith's career high in sacks with the Ravens was 8.5 in 2018, his final season in Baltimore, which ultimately got him paid. In Ravens history, only seven players have even tallied 10 sacks in a season, defeat accomplished 16 times in total. Who were those players and which ones did it more than once? Uh, Terrell Suggs. Terrell Suggs is number one on the list. How many times? Five. Seven times. Okay. Um, Michael McCrary. Michael McCrary, how many times? Twice. Twice, correct. Only one more person did it multiple times. Um, I don't think Paul, Paul Kruger did it once. Nope. He didn't get to ten? No, he had nine. It was nine, really? Nine, nine, I nine, could nine, have sworn like it was ten. ten. Um... Peter Boulware. Peter Boulware. How many times? Three times. Three times is correct. Now, ever the last four guys have only done it once. Uh, Judon got to ten, didn't he? No. His career high in Baltimore was nine. Doomerville. Doomerville. He has the most in the Ravens in Ravens history. Seventeen. Uh. Um. Ten. Can't really fluke your way to ten. I'll still say Adelius got there. He did. That is correct. Two left. How about? How about? Yikes. Did Trevor? No, Trevor. I don't think he did. Trevor Price. He did. I think he had did like he thirteen. Really? Yeah. Did he really? That one. His first year in Baltimore. I know, but I don't remember being that good. And the other one would be. I don't know if I'd be surprised or not that you got this. Man, he's a name that you that you remember. Rob Burnett. Rob Burnett. Really? Nicely done. Nicely done. All right. I don't remember him getting the, but sure. I mean, the defense was unbelievable at that point, so why not? All right, very good. Trevor Price had 13 in 2006. That's remarkable. Tidbit was also brought to you by the print issue of Pressbox, which is, of course, still available right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. Or read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. Gary Williams on the cover as we celebrate the 20th anniversary of their run to the 2002 National Championship. Go pick up your print issue of Pressbox right now or read it all. PressBoxOnline.com. Tubular is brought to you by the Baltimore Police Department. You know, maybe you're thinking about a new path in life. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Here's what's coming up. Obviously, basketball is the answer as to what's coming up. The NCAA tournament gets underway momentarily. Games throughout the day on all four networks. CBS in order. 
Michigan, Colorado State coming up in five minutes. Longwood, Tennessee, St. Peter's, Kentucky, San Francisco, Murray State. True TV in order starting at 1240. South Dakota State, Providence, Richmond, Iowa, Creighton, San Diego State, Texas, Southern Kansas. TNT in order starting at 145. Memphis, Boise State, Georgia State, Gonzaga, New Mexico State, Yukon, Vermont, Arkansas. TBS in order starting at 2, Norfolk State, Baylor, Marquette, North Carolina, Indiana, St. Mary's, Akron, UCLA. The Mount St. Mary's women play Longwood tonight at 7 on ESPN2 in the first four in the women's tournament. NBC Sports Washington Capitals Blue Jackets 7, ESPN Plus and Hulu Sharks Kings at 10, NBA TV Pistons Magic at 7. ESPN's got the NCAA Wrestling Championships tonight at 7, round one of the PGA Valspar at 2 on Golf Channel. Indian Wells continues on Tennis Channel at 2. Spring training baseball on MLB Network today. Twins, Red Sox at one, White Sox, Cubs at four, and that's that's about all you need to know sports wise. Non sports wise highlights. Uh, Billy, we need to hear you yeah, for sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Billy Crystal is going to be on the Tonight Show with uh, Jimmy Fallon this evening. You have Jersey Shore family vacation. Glenn's favorite reality TV. Master Chef Junior is back tonight. That's very Master Chef Junior at eight o'clock on Fox. Uh, I actually, what, what, been, I'm looking forward to the Welcome to Flatch as well. I'm gonna, say, I'm gonna well, give that a look. See, look, looks like it could be a fun comedy. What's her face? Who was on um, uh, The Boys is one of the stars of that. The, okay. Uh, and and what else? She was in another show I liked that I can't even think of. That was on FX called You're the Worst. I can't think of what this young lady's name is, and I feel bad about that. By the way, um, The Boys is coming back. I think in June. Despite the fact that uh, Homelander, the guy, the guy that plays Homelander, uh, he's had run into a bit of troubles. Really? Not nothing awful. Like, like Marilyn like, Manson troubles? No, 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 I no, looked him up no, last night. No, not that. More like a like like bar fight. I think is. Uh, is no is, way. Uh, yeah. Right. That <laughs> yeah, seems very <laughs> unlikely. Aya Cash is her name. She's excellent. I like her a great deal. Uh, on um, Netflix, Rescued by Ruby and Soiled, two new Netflix series. Uh, and then in DMZ original series premiere, uh, Jellystone original series t- series season two premiere, and what, Minx this, all on HBO Max. What, Jellystone like? Uh, hey, Boomer. <laughs> like like that like that's what we're dealing with. Uh, that's Yellowstone. I thought they were Jellystone. Yellowstone is Yellowstone. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was Jellystone. You may be right. Yeah, I'm. Pre- I may be crazy. Hey, boo boo. I'm hey, pretty boo-boo. sure that's what Some we're talking about. Baskets. All right. Uh, hey, quickly know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. Thanks today to Stan the Fan. Thanks also to Danny Singletary from that uh, Coppins team that's celebrating the 25th anniversary of the win over South Carolina. Thanks to Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk, and thanks as well to um, uh, Jalen Gabadon, who we're about to hear from from Yale. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the tab at glennclarkradio.com. Special hours tomorrow, 9 to 11 a.m. before I head down to the casino. Uh, Christopher Hinton from Michigan, who's the son of former Baltimore Colt Chris Hinton, of course, famously the other side of the John Elway deal. Um, he is one of the top draft prospects this year. He's going to join us tomorrow and stuff and things tomorrow as well. Thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police Department, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Blue Line Canine, your local Toyota dealer, and buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Thank you for filling the brackets. Enjoy the madness. Have a great Thursday night. Go Mountain Women. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too. We wrap up today's show. We had to do this a little bit earlier on, but an awesome opportunity to catch up with a genius who happens to also have been born in Baltimore and went to Glen Elg. He's Jalen Gabadon from Yale. They're getting ready to play Purdue. Listen to that right here as we wind down on GCR.
Well, it's a pleasure now to be joined here on GCR by a young man who spent some time down our way at Glenelg Country School and then ended up at Yale, where he's had an incredible career, is getting ready for the NCAA tournament tomorrow afternoon against Purdue. But on top of that, he's already on to, like, even bigger and better things, which I guess makes sense when you're at Yale. As he has gone into the sports tech world, he's going to tell us all about Launchpad. He's Jalen Gabadon, and he's with us now here on the show. Jalen, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Thanks for having me, Glenn. Excited to be here. Man, it's great to chat with you. I know it's a really exciting time for you and your team right now. Uh, we will get to that. Um, if, if I could go a step before I get the launch pad, let me, let me go back even further. You're from Harrisburg. Yep. You spent most of your life there. How did you end up down here in our neck of the woods wrapping up your high school career at Glenelg Country School? Um, well, interesting story. I was actually born in Baltimore. So wow. I was born a few minutes from Mount St. Joseph's High School. And so we moved when I was like one to Harrisburg. And so my family, my parents had lived in Baltimore for a long period of time. And so when I was a senior in high school, well, going into my senior year, my uncle still lives in Laurel, Maryland. Okay. And so my cousin, who was in third or fourth grade at the time, maybe younger, maybe first grade. Okay. I, I don't remember, but she, she went to Glenelg Country School. And so because of that, I, we were familiar with the school. And I, my uncle was like, you know, they're in the MIAA, like they're playing some of the top teams. Like, and so I actually lived with my uncle for that full year. Wow. And so commuted from my uncle's house to Glenelg. Did, did you know at that point that you were going to end up at Yale or did, did that experience help you in getting that opportunity to end up somewhere like Yale? So I actually had all my division one offers before I went to Glenelg country school. So I'm mostly through AAU because my old high school was a lot smaller. We had like 20 kids in my grade. And so the the basketball competition wasn't like preparing me enough for what I was going to face in college. And so I, through AAU obviously had the offers and through camps and such. And so I committed to go to Glenelg July or June, June of 2016. Okay. And then I committed to Yale August of 2016. Man. So like two months later, I committed to Yale. All right, but we're still claiming you. That's the way this is going to go, Jalen. You're, you're <laughs> too smart. You're too accomplished. You're too talented. Um, they can they can try to claim in Harrisburg, but you were born here and you went to Glen Elk. So we're we're taking you as one of ours. You're one of ours, and we're rooting for you now. All right, because of that. Is that is that okay? That's fair. You know that that year in Glen Elk changed a lot for me basketball wise. You know, I had never really faced consistently a lot of the same competition. You know, I had a great summer with them that helped prepare me for my junior year of AAU, where like a lot of the you know the, the offers were closer, were kind of like we like you, whatever became a lot stronger because of kind of the, the way I developed over that summer, including Yale. And so you know. Man. They were happy to take me, I, I think. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it seems like it's worked out okay. <laughs> it seems like it's been all right. He's Jalen Gabadon. He's with us here on GCR. We're going to get to your team. Um, you're with us because I found out about this thing that you're doing uh, called Launchpad. And, I, again, I can't be all that surprised that someone who's got a Yale education is already so far ahead of the rest of the world and coming up with ideas and concepts mm-hmm. But can you tell me about what Launchpad is all about and how you ended up getting into the sports tech world? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, Launchpad is like it's it's in the realm of fitness apps, right? Like you think of fitness apps, I think of things that, you know, let's get some cardio in, let's get, you know, let's get some hit workouts in, like burn, lose calories or burn calories, lose weight. You know, and so when, when, you know, me and my team were, you know, talking about the realm of possibilities out there for potential ideas, you know, there was a big gap in 
accessibility to training, mm -hmm. to be more explosive, to be a better athlete, right? Like if you were in high school and outside of going to a trainer where you're paying $60 an hour, there's not really much to, to fall back on on how to become a better athlete. And so that's where the idea for Launchpad was born and that you know, we're building this app that helps train athletes to be more explosive, right? And so, you know, we're doing that through a variety of ways. And obviously like one of my partners, Doug Goldstein is, is an incredible physical therapist and he's a trainer to dozens of NFL athletes. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to get into specific names for, you know, confidentiality reasons, okay. but you know, he's, he's pretty well tapped in into Denver network. And so he's, he's a guru when it comes to being athletic, you know, he's, he saved my career. You know, I had health problems and, you know, got my knees right, got my athleticism right. And obviously, you know, my senior year had a big year on the court, um, you know, a large part in due to working with him and on Launchpad. So he's building the programs on the app. And so as you're on the app, well, my job is, is to build a lot of AI interactivity with, with the app. So as you're training, what you're like, basically the way it works in a nutshell is you have your phone, you have the app on your phone and it takes you through your workout. Okay. And if, let's, let's say you're doing, you know, you have like squats, right? Can I go ahead and right. download it to play along as we do this? Is it available? Uh, not yet. Oh, It'll be okay. coming out in about a, is it coming out in a month. Okay. So tune in in the next month. All right. Um, and so I, I have a tablet with some of the AI interactivity. Like we could test your vertical jump with it. We could test, we can measure Like we can count your reps. We can see how fast you're doing your reps. So like, if you're trying to be explosive, you got to move weight fast, right? We're not trying to just load up 500 pounds in the back squat and go really slow. Like, if you want to be fast, you got to move weight fast. So we built in like AI models that can track how fast you're actually moving when you're doing your reps to make sure that you're optimizing your training wow. to become explosive. Wow. Man. So that's what I spent most of my time doing over the past year. That's incredible, bro. That's really incredible. The, the <laughs> app is called Launchpad. Did you know this is what, when you arrived at Yale, were you thinking about like getting into this type of world? Was basketball your priority? <laughs> like, what was the thought process and how did you get to a place you said, yeah, I'm a young man. I, I want to go ahead and, and throw my name or I want I want to get into the, <laughs> the, the fitness app world. I want to go ahead even before I'm 25 years old and try to become, you know, um, an entrepreneur and, 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 and get into this type of, of, of space. I mean, coming into college, you know, like every Hooper, I was trying to go pro, yeah, you know, and yeah. you know, my, my perspective changed a lot when I, I broke my foot three times when I was a freshman. And I didn't get to touch the floor. I was hurt the whole year. So, you know, I decided to major in computer science, something that piqued my interest. And so I actually interned at Google twice, my sophomore and junior years. And so that got me into like the software world, but I never really had an entrepreneurial, like, you know, a pension for it necessarily. And so during COVID, like I decided, you know, my coach was trying to get everyone to take gap years because in the Ivy League, right. you can't play as a graduate student. And so if I just graduated my senior year, my career at Yale would be done. And so I decided to take a year off of school entirely so that I could continue playing at Yale. And, you know, he, my coach connected me by chance with an alumni who was in startups because, you know, I was, I was trying to figure out what my next path in life was because I was planning to graduate and be done. And, you know, he was the, you know, he was running his former business, which is, you know, B2B sales or B2B like, you know, um, consumer insights, you know, like marketplace research. And, you know, instead of talking to me about that, he was like, you know, I'm, th I'm thinking about leaving. My, my former business, you know, it's in a good place and he's starting, I'm starting this new thing with my friend, Doug. And like, you know, I, you know, I think you'd be much more interested in talking about this, you know, cause he was a former Yale basketball player. And so we got connected through that. And next thing I knew I moved into his basement 
I met him like in July and I moved into his basement with his <laughs> wife and kids, like the end of August and was there for a full year in his basement working on this. With wow, him. man. Wow. What a so, different, what a, what a, what a thought, bro. Like you just went, <laughs> you went for it. Like really went for it, man. That's I mean, COVID, COVID was a weird time, you know, like, like right. peak COVID was like, it was almost like a, a dream of sorts and like how, how time kind of flew by, but like, I was living in Denver. I had never met him before. The first time I ever met him was on Zoom. And the next thing I knew, I was with this playing with this, you know, three and five year old oh, in the basement. Man. Oh, that's cool. It's a cool story, man. That's a really, really cool story. How this again, the Launchpad app, which was going to be available in about a month. Uh, in about says. a month. And it's an it's incredible, man. The path that you've taken. For those that don't remember, of course, uh, the Ivy League didn't play uh, basketball a year ago, and so that's the reason why. You know, Jalen and, and his teammates were asked to take that gap year. That's incredible stuff. Jalen Gabadon is with us. Again, born in Baltimore from Glen Elk High School and uh, country school. And um, what a year, as you pointed out, that you guys have had uh, being back in the NCAA tournament. Got to watch some of the title game on Sunday. What does it mean for you? And, and you guys came so close to getting a win the last time in 2019 in the NCAA <laughs> tournament. How much is that? you know, in your mind as you guys get ready to do it again here this year? Um, a lot, you know, you know, unfortunately, like I, I played about 10 minutes a game that year off the bench. And in the last 10 games of the season, I actually had to sit with injury. And so like, I was able to watch, you know, it hurt watching from the sidelines, you know, obviously I was as happy as anyone in the world, you know, we're in March madness, but you know, I never forgot what it was like, you know, that environment, you know, that game, the crowd, you know, the, the intensity of it, the moment, and so, you know, one of my other teammates who played in the game, you know, he and I were talking like, you know, we're, we're not, we're not satisfied with just making it this time. You know, we're, we're not satisfied with just making it, you know, we want to win the game, you know, and like we came close last time we fell short, but you know, our celebration after Sunday was, was short lived, you know, like we, we, we gave ourselves a day on Sunday to enjoy it. And, you know, Monday we took the day out for practice and today we're not thinking about anything that happened this whole year so far. Sure. Like it's, it's, it's all focused on winning that game because you know, we don't, we don't want a participation trophy, right? Like, thanks for coming. Like we're, we're here to win. So we'll, 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 we'll be ready on Friday. What's it, what's it going to mean to you, Jalen, to be on the floor in an NCAA tournament game as someone, you know, obviously who's got your sights set on bigger things as someone mm -hmm. who's had an interesting path here and, and it didn't get to be a part of it in 2019. What will it mean for you again, no matter the result, but just to step on the floor and play in the NCAA tournament? I mean, it's going to, it's going to mean the world. I mean, that's, it's a, it's a long time coming, you know, growing up in Harrisburg, I went in the school I went to was so small. I've been disrespected my entire life, you know, from a basketball perspective, you know, I've gotten no respect from press media, other players in the area, all those things. And so, you know, just knowing that, you know, I stuck to, I stuck to my game plan, you know, I, I took the road less traveled and just, you know, and made it, made it to the dance and we'll be, you know, we'll be on the floor you know be, being able to represent you know everyone who's helped me along the way means means so much to me you know and it's 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 every kid's dream like yeah, every exactly. every child basketball player's dream is to be in March Madness and you know it's my coach you know we were at Harvard for the Ivy League tournament my coach looked up at the banner and told us you know you know Harvard had an incredible run where they they won multiple years straight you know and they've had some of the most talented players in the Ivy League since but you know you never know when the last chance you'll have is mm. in a program, you know, like you'll never know when that run ends or when, 
when it's time for the run to begin. And so you just never know. And so to, to really embrace the moment and that we've, you know, we've done something specials, something that like I will always look back on and be like proud that I was a contributor on that team. A significant you know, contributor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a big, a big part of the reason why you guys are in this position, which is a big deal, man. Um, again, the game is Friday afternoon, and uh, they'll be taking on Purdue. And what an opportunity it is for Jalen Gabadon and his teammates to try to go shock the world and advance on to the second round of the tournament. Jalen, the, the the pressure that comes with being at a place like Yale, um, you know, beyond basketball, right, and, and and maybe guiding you to where it is that that you are now. How much of that did you feel when you first got there? Was there ever a moment where you looked around like? do I belong here? And, you know, obviously you're, you're far smarter than I. I would feel that way every day that I was on a campus like that. Did you ever mm-hmm. have feelings like that? And how much did just that experience drive you to get to this place where you're entering a new world and a business startup and things along those lines? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great question. Um, you know, for, you know, it's just a, double-edged sword you know I, I got hurt my first year so while I wasn't able to play that also gave me a lot of opportunity to to set myself a good great foundation academically yep you know where I had a lot of time and focus to spend on schoolwork you know figure out you know like you know where a lot of you know athletes come in you know it's it's a lot you know you have practices lifts games travel you know I traveled I went to practices I didn't participate obviously so you know on the road I was just doing homework on the bus or in the hotel because I wasn't worried about you know playing and so, you know, where some, you know, for some people that, that is a big, you know, shock factor of being on campus, you know, or, you know, there's you know, non-athletes are have all day to focus and, you know, on their schoolwork and get these things and, done. And you probably need that much given what it is that you guys are doing. <laughs> uh-huh. So it's, it's definitely a lot, but, you know, you kind of get used to it, you know, and you kind of, it's, it's kind of a shared struggle, I guess I call it, you know, you, we find kind of purpose in you know, complaining about midterms amongst the team, like, we have practice coaches run it, you know, coaches trying to kill us with practices, you know, we got mm-hmm. midterms, you know, and, and that actually, you know, builds a sense of like camaraderie among the team. That's, that's actually really, it's really enjoyable. And it's one of the things I'm going to miss the most in general is, you know, like going through it sometimes with, with your boys, you know, with your brothers, you know, like you're all, you're all struggling to get through midterms. You know, I've had exams on game day where it's like, you got to take the exam for game day and then you're coming to game day. Like, mentally fried wow and then you have to go out and, and you know and play and compete you know like guys after a sunday game were like i have an exam some multiple guys had exams yesterday like i had problems <laughs> i had like reading responses to do sunday you're in night. the ncaa tournament <laughs> this week no offense uh-huh. to any of these other schools you think they're doing it those places think at purdue they're like hey we got to make sure we focus on exams <laughs> so, this week. i know like I, I have a meeting about my senior i have a senior thesis you know meetings this week you know i have some progress to report on next week so you know, it, life doesn't stop, wow. you know, it just, it just doesn't stop. But, and the next thing you know, we're tipping off. Right. And that's right. kind of the weirdest part about it all. That's cool, man. That's really, really cool. All right. Uh, uh, last one. Who was your favorite guy? You mentioned that year you spent in the MIAA. Was there someone that you got to go against during the course of that year individually that, that still you remember that night, you remember that game, you remember that matchup that meant a lot to you that, that helped sharpen you as you made the transition to the college level? So I played against him in AAU multiple times. And so like, I, I never really talked to him, but Daryl Marcel from yeah. Mount St. Joseph. Yeah. And Marquette. Now, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's having an incredible year, you know, he's, he's, he was one of the people that, you know, like going up against made me realize like, you know, I can compete at this level, you know, 
because you know I, I had such a high opinion of him and you know he's I played him at AAU he played for Team Melo multiple times yep. you know we've gone at it before but you know in high school you know having that you know competition where we were matched up with each other you know going at it was that's he's the guy that I probably remember the most you know having the most respect for as a player on the court Cool. And they beat us twice. So yeah, they, <laughs> they, that, that team was loaded, man. Like they were really. I have good. I have a picture of Jalen Smith just yeah. punching my dog. Like I tried to punch it on him, and he just obliterated me. And I, I do have a picture <laughs> of him beating me at the rim, and you know, hey, uh, that's hey man, there's nothing funny. nothing to be ashamed of. That dude, you know, he's killing it in the <laughs> NBA now. Like it, it probably happened to quite a few people going up against Jalen Smith. Hey, uh, Jalen Gavin, on what uh, social media, the the app, what all can we plug for you? Where can people find out more about you, about Launchpad, all of those things? For sure, you know, give us a follow on Instagram at Launchpad Fit. You know, that's where we're starting to, you know, share some of the initial, like, videos, previews, things like that. They're going to be coming there on our website, launchpad.fit. So you can go to www.launchpad.fit. You know, our website's going to be up in the next probably two weeks. But right now you can go in there and put your phone number in and we'll send you a link for early access when that's available. And so, you know, check it out, you know, and if you're, if you're really looking to get your balance right, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, there's no better place to go. You got a there's lot of, nowhere else. You got a lot of work to do on me personally. You got a lot of work, you know, you're <laughs> starting from a really low level. Uh, hey, if you're, tr- if you're trying to get your balance right, I'm, I'm, it don't matter who you are, how old you are. I got to have you played sports I, before. I got seven and four-year-old sons I got to keep up with that are playing lacrosse and soccer and all those things. So I got to try to keep up with them a little bit. This might be for me. It's 100% for you, and it's going to be for them too when they're ready. I love it. I love it, man. Jalen Gabadon, so happy for you, dude. Uh, Congratulations on everything that you've already accomplished, and uh, please go get them against Purdue. Uh, I'm I'm putting you through in my bracket. I'm doing it. I'm calling for it. (laughs) Because I'm going to be rooting Let's for get it, it, and I want to enjoy it. Looking forward to seeing you out there uh, tomorrow afternoon. Jalen, congratulations. Thank you for taking the time for us. Awesome. Thanks, you, Glenn.